Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Tenglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, if ever there was a time to get into radio, this is the time. Um, because there's simply so much happening now. We've got a, a coup. We're living under a, a virtual dictatorship. There's no constitutional authority whatsoever, whether it's the Supreme Court, the Congress, or, or the people occupying the White House. Um, these are fascinating times. <laughs> and so because these are fascinating times, uh, it, it is a great time to be in radio. But not, uh, you know, so I never have to worry about selecting a topic. There's always some crisis. There's always something going on that's, that's just horribly illegal. Uh, and, of course, the ongoing uh, crisis of the fact that we have a, a coup, we have an occupation Marxist government, uh, and the fact that uh, neither party gives a damn. <laughs> Let's put it bluntly. They don't care. They don't care. They're, they're more worried about, uh, and rightly so, they're worried about Hurricane uh, Ian right now, and they're worried about some other things, but they're not worried about the fact that uh, we're living under an occupation government. And, and this, is, this is fascinating to me. You listen to Kevin McCarthy's entire um, contract uh, or his commitment, excuse me. It, it's like a relationship. We're going to have a, a relationship together. We're going to have a commitment with the American people. See, Gingrich, Gingrich is the man, right? Gingrich is the man. He had a contract. Men, real men, I guess real women too, have contracts, okay? It's binding. You know, we're making a contract with you. We promise to do these things. Whereas the, the slightly more metrosexual Kevin McCarthy, is much more of a uh, of a commitment kind of guy. So he's he he's got a commitment, okay, as opposed to a contract. Quite frankly, the contract is a million times better. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, we went over it last week. We went over the contract. We went over the commitment. And the commitment is is airy, fluffy talking points that mean absolutely nothing. But what is conspicuously missing from the commitment, you know, are are a few things. One of which being the coup. Uh, the, the thing that I was just talking about, I'm, I'm opening my notebook here and trying to do this in a logical way without kicking over my microphone. But there was no mention of the coup. There was no mention of the fact that the election was stolen. There was no mention of the fact that Mike, Trent, Mike Pence is a, pater, a traitor and should be a pater. <laughs> I make it up. So when I get mad, I talk fast. <laughs> when I talk fast, I screw my words up. But there's no mention that my, you know, of course, they're not going to mention that because he's a, a Republican. He's one of them. So it's okay. You know, the Democrats have it. It's okay, too. And the Republicans have an, have an it's okay as well. So. As far as they're concerned, Mike Pence is the good guy. Trump is the bad guy. And, and, and um, Brandon, who's sounding you know, like, like an aspiring uh, you know, Nazi fascist now, <laughs> he is. He's saying the same things. The mega Republicans, they, they, they never say what mega means, you know, make America great again. Because that would point out, people would go, if they said, we're against people who want to make America great again. Well, see, that's absurd on his face. They can't do that, right? So they have to say MAGA, you know, because that sounds bad. You know, well, just substitute the word Jewish for MAGA you know, if, you, if you want to see where this is going, okay? So we need to get rid of the, uh, you know, the MAGA. We need to, you know, you, you know where this is going, right? So this is, it's the same speech. Same speech, same, you know, arm waving, same, same, you know, propaganda, same inciting of violence, same insurrection against the American same traitorous, treasonous, uh, illegal government. This is what's going on, right? Same stuff. You know, you're living through the 19, you're living through 1930s Germany. The question is what you're going to do about it. Now, what I'm doing about it is action radio and creating a set of laws that will bring back our freedom. Uh, what are you doing about it? You know, of course, the easiest thing is to join us and say, yes, we'd like to uh, have laws that increase our freedom, too. Well, share the show, share the bills. It's very simple to do. Um, there's a, ra- there's a, a, a um, what's what I'm trying to think of? Uh, there's a whole bunch of <laughs> new violence. 
rage, wrath, spate, whatever it's called. Anyway, there's a lot of new violence. There's a, basically a, a leftist assassination of conservatism, Republicans going on. You had the, um, the, the wacko that ran over the teenager uh, in North Dakota simply because he thought he was a Republican. You just had a, a stabbing. Uh, where is this, North Carolina? Let me just get my little list here. I haven't even looked up these stories, but I don't have to because it's, it's, it's the same thing. So you've got, um, no, elderly, oh yeah, I got an elderly pro-life person was shot in Michigan. Uh, you had an investigative reporter stabbed in Arizona. You had an 18-year-old uh, run down in North Dakota. Okay, so the, this is, so the left, leftist assassinations are on the increase. You know, this goes uh, up with some of the other things uh, uh, too, like the, the, the um, the assassin that uh, tried to uh, kill all the Republicans at the baseball game and some of the other things where Republicans and conservatives have been specifically uh, targeted, which, of course, includes you know, the federal government, January 6th, you know, all that. And, and so I'm wondering a few things. I'm wondering why the, the GOP geldings have not shown up in mass at the D.C. Gulag prison uh, with writs of habeas corpus saying these people are out now. OK, I'm wondering why the GOP geldings haven't gone to the border and handed out cards to all the illegals saying, don't get comfortable. You aren't staying. Okay. I'm wondering why there isn't a daily press conference presenting yet another you know, huge evidence piece of vote fraud uh, and say it's time for the Trump electors to uh, uh, get their rightful positions and the Brandon electors to get uh, you know, tossed, dismissed because they're frauds. I'm wondering when any of this, uh, you know, the Republicans, they want our vote, but they're not going to do anything. Uh, this, this commitment isn't a commitment. It's a commitment to themselves and a commitment to their own you know, talking points, but there's no commitment to the American people. See, the American people, the commitment to us would be to, you know, things like, like I'm proposing, you know, taking away the power of Congress to borrow money, uh, disarming all the bureaucrats, all 287,000 of them. That's, that's an army. That's larger than most armies in the world. Okay. That's, uh, that's uh, 12 divisions, basically, of, of soldiers if they were put in infantry uniforms, uh, which wouldn't be a bad idea. At least you'd see them coming. Um, but these are some of the things that are going on. And, and the big thing, the biggest thing, of course, are the Trump electors. Uh, so the fact that McCarthy didn't mention the Trump electors, didn't mention it's a fraudulent election, uh, and still uses um, treasonous terms like, you know, President Biden, there's nothing we can do. Uh, you know, there's, there's no point. These, these people are hopeless. So uh, um, I, I was thinking about this over the weekend. There's, there's three political entities in this country. Uh, there are Marxist Democrats and their followers. Uh, there are gelding, cowardly Republicans and their followers. And there are people that want to make America great again. Um, and that includes Trump and uh, we're that group, <laughs> we're the group that wants to make America great again. And the nice thing about the make a group that wants to make America great again is it's made up of former Democrat Marxists, former Republican geldings, uh, independents, and everybody else. So it really should be the largest group in the country because most Americans want America to be great. We do. You know, Alex de Tocqueville said uh, America will be great as long as it's good. Well, we're not good anymore because we're not free. In order to be a good country, we have to be a free country. And the fact that we're under an occupation government proves that we're not free and therefore we can't be good. And so there are other countries in the world that are much more free than we are because they have legitimate governments. Um, something fascinating occurred on the news oh, uh, last night. I'm, I'm watching uh, Fox News because I, I kind of like to see who uh, Mark Levin has on for Life, Liberty, and Levin. And some of his guests are total jokes. He had Kevin McCarthy on, and he gave him a bunch of softball. You know, he, he was almost acting like a leftist reporter giving these softball questions. Have you passed laws you know, uh, uh, to increase the national debt? Well, why no, sir, we haven't, you know. Uh, have you, uh, do you, are you in favor of an open border? Uh, why no, Mr. Levin, we're not, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, give me a break, you, you know, give the, the, the aspiring metrosexual speaker, you know, some real questions. I kind of like that name, 
you know, metrosexual speaker. It seems to fit now that I think about it. I make up terms all the time. Uh, organic fuel is what we used to call fossil fuels. I had another one the other uh, just recently also. Uh, I'll have to write these down, but I keep coming up with new terms for things. Anyway, so that's where we stand as far as that goes. All right. So title of the show today. Let's see if I have any news to run down here. Oh, yeah. I've got a, an article I post on, on my pages, my environmental pages, legal pages, and my personal page um, about the strategic, strategic Petroleum Reserve. And I was curious when it's going to run out, given the way it's currently being used. And it looks like, you know, things keep going the way they're going. So Brandon's already used about a quarter of it. It went from, uh, now maybe it actually looks more like a third. It, it went from, I guess, no, 75 million down to, I think, 440 million. So I think those facts are wrong. That said 26%, but I think that was an older figure. So he's used basically a third. So he's used a third of our petroleum, strategic petroleum reserve to buy the election. So my first question is, and I'm going to ask Jonathan about this, is, is if they're spending uh, a third of our strategic petroleum reserve, that's our money. Shouldn't that count as a campaign expenditure? You know, and shouldn't that count against them? Say, look, if you can spend uh, the money from the, uh, the, you know, from selling or dumping the strategic petroleum reserve, that's a campaign expenditure because there is no emergency other than the one they created in the supply chain shortage. So there's no emergency, so you can't use that. We're not at a, at a, in a declared war, so you can't use that. So there's no reason to touch the strategic petroleum reserve because we've got plenty of oil. All they have to do is stop uh, limiting it. So the question is, should that be counted as a campaign expense? I think so. You know, and then I had uh, one of my folks uh, posted, what about the student loans? Shouldn't they be counted if they're forgiven as a uh, forgiven, if they're dismissed, you know, if they're put off on the taxpayers? Should that not be considered a campaign expense? Well, I think so. I think that makes a lot of sense. So it's interesting once you start uh, stretching your mind a little bit where these different things come from uh, and where they go. All right. So something kind of interesting has been going on behind the scenes. It's, it's uh, the obvious one, the, the humor aspect of the fact that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis here in Florida um, packed up a bunch of illegals and, and dumped them in Martha's Vineyard, which I'm now calling Mighty Whitey Island. <laughs> so, so it's, well, it's not an island, Greg. It's, well, it's got a bridge. It's got Chappaquiddick. Come on, give me a break. It's an island. Anyway, that was the old Kennedy thing for those that remember that reference. Um, but uh, Mighty Whitey Island uh, doesn't want uh, black and brown people. They just don't to coin a leftist phrase. And I, I hate that expression, black and brown people. I don't know why. I just don't like classifying people by skin color. But they do, so it seems to make sense at, at this particular uh, point. Um, so anyway, so he drops them off uh, in Martha's Vineyard, and they're immediately whisked off to a military base because we can't have you know, intolerant liberals having to suffer the indignities of having people who aren't as rich as them you know, or as white as them walking around Mighty Whitey Island. And so they've been put on a military base, you know, probably in cages, just like the, the ones they accused Trump of using uh, when they took pictures of uh, Barack Obama's cages at the border. And so it'd be interesting to note if the, uh, if the illegal aliens that were here that were uh, whisked to the, the paradise of, of Martha's Vineyard were put in cages on a military base. I'm just asking the questions. I'm curious. OK, anyway, so there's the, the most fascinating aspect of this to me is the part that's probably the least reported, and that is the lawsuit that is being generated uh, against uh, Governor Ron DeSantis for having the, the unmitigated gall to actually take illegal aliens uh, and put them in his vineyard. And it's a fascinating case. But there's something we need to talk about um, before we, we get too far into this, and that's the fact that illegal aliens have no rights in this country. They have none. They can't. It's impossible for them to. And I don't give a damn what the Supreme Court says. And we'll talk about the Supreme Court and judicial review and, and my judicial review elimination reform bill uh, in a little bit. But the whole idea, this is, this, there's an absurd idea, and the Supreme Court perpetuated it. Um, 
But the basic, if you, if you understand that the Supreme Court has no power of judicial review, the Supreme Court cannot tell you what the Constitution says uh, in their own terms. They cannot uh, in- interpret things, uh, and they can't, um, they really, you know, they have no power to declare anything unconstitutional. That power of judicial review does not exist. So there's some practical aspects for having them uh, use laws and, and use the Constitution to say that laws and policies are unconstitutional. There's going to be an interesting line we're going to, we're going to have to draw, and this is going to take several weeks. We need to uh, really kind of put our heads together and find a balance here because the state legislatures and the juries that should be doing this kind of work aren't. And I do have a bill to propose uh, Supreme Court juries, which is kind of an interesting concept. But, but the basic premise is that the, uh, the Supreme Court can only do what Article 3 says they can do. And things that uh, Article 3 doesn't say are reserved from the 10th Amendment to the states and to the people. And one of those is the ability to say what's constitutional, what isn't, uh, and then to act on that and make policies and remedies. And so that's when they run into trouble. So my balance is, as long as they are stating within the case itself an opinion that something is unconstitutional, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, I still got to work on the injunctions and the orders and things like that. I got to kind of think that through and talk to a bunch of people. But as long as they're operating within uh, Article Three, they're okay. What I think might be a better solution is to is to keep the ability uh, of uh, of courts, you know, of, of judges to do injunctions as long as it's part of a case, not just out of nowhere. They can't just you know make up an injunction and say uh, I, I'm signing a piece of paper. This policy of of the entire executive branch of the government usually under President Trump, can't go for it. No, you can't do that. It's got to be as a result of a case. But as a result of a case, if they want to suspend or, or uh, put an injunction or stop a law while it's going through more court cases, that's okay. Uh, what that really should be is for the Congress to take up the law and either change it, amend it, or do something to it so it actually is constitutional. The other place where this would happen is the states. The state courts can say this law is unconstitutional. It does not apply to our state. Uh, and that's something that, that we'll have to start emphasizing. And juries, juries have to be empowered. Um, to say that this law does not apply, you know, either federally, uh, statewide, or locally, because it's unconstitutional too. So the ability to judge something unconstitutional, A, was not delegated to the Supreme Court or any court or any judge for that matter, and B, was not prevented from being judged by any uh, other entity of government or by the people themselves, the juries, or by the people themselves just through opinion and writing articles. You know, but, uh, but the juries should be able to overrule any law that they judge unconstitutional uh, that's the whole point of juries, as being supreme to the government. You know, the jury are, uh, juries represent the people, and the people are supreme to the government, which is represented by the judge. So that's why juries can overrule judges, and juries don't have to listen to instructions. In fact, I would stop judges from giving instructions anyway. But this is an interesting case. And i got Pianca in line. Let me bring him on right now. We can kind of work our way through this case together. But the biggest thing to decide is, and it's going to take a little bit of work, is how we balance, how we rebalance the ability to judge what's constitutional and what isn't, because the Supreme Court can't by constitution. They do not have that power, uh, and the states do and the people do, and that's what we have to do. Uh, but on the other hand, as a result of a case, if they want to uh, do an injunction or a suspension or like the New York case where they, uh, they said that the state of New York cannot stop citizens from carrying guns you know, with some arbitrary government policy, that was a good use of, of the Supreme Court power to not, in, not interpret the constitution but simply use it. Pianchi, I'm, I'm wading into a big mess right here, um, but I want to uh, cover this one particular case and because uh, and, and, I need your help with this. Uh, and uh, Jim Dykes is big on this also, so I'll bring him in as well, as to find a way uh, to increase the amount 
of, of groups and government entities that are ruling on constitutionality and not just limit it to the Supreme Court, which doesn't have that authority to begin with. So you see the mess I'm in? Good morning. Well, good morning. I hope you had a nice weekend. I did. It was fun. What is, well, countries have the power to do that. Uh, local authorities, states have territorial jurisdiction, mm-hmm. which preempts the federal government. The federal government can't go into a territory without the people who are the authority in that territory know what the heck they're doing. You know, you had that one video where the local police was came upon what was proven to be an ATF agent. <clears throat> I haven't seen that one. Can you kind of summarize that for me? That, 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 was, that looked like an interesting video. Well, it is. You should look at it. Plus, it has a summary in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but, intend to. Uh, it's been, ATF. <laughs> this show took up a little bit of time to sort of read uh, a lot of the things I wanted yeah, to Yeah, you just want to take time for yeah, some, yeah. some leisure, a little yep. leisure. But <laughs> ATF agent was trying to serve a warrant. And uh-huh. the house where he was trying to serve it at, uh-huh. uh, the homeowner wasn't sure who the heck this person was. So they called the police, which they should have done. Yep. And he was looking for a shotgun that the owner, or her husband, had legally purchased. And I guess they found out later, after the three-day wait, still investigating, well, the man was uh, went on and purchased a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So these agents come up and they confiscate going against the Fourth Amendment and take these people's property. Why? So when the police well, arrive, the local police arrive, yeah. and they see this man, then they ask him who he is. And he's saying, I'm a federal agent. Well, then the police officer tells him to get on the ground. <laughs> I love it. Well, the initial police officer, he didn't follow his instruction. He said, I'm not. But when the police officer called back up and he seen what he was presented with, he got on the ground. They handcuffed him and he's constantly talking about who he is. That don't matter. You still in somebody else's jurisdiction. Yeah. Then they're trying to put him in the car and he's talking about, I can't breathe. We wonder where that tactic come from. Well, he's been watching too many George Floyd films or what? <laughs> you know, George Floyd had maybe. too much fentanyl. Yeah. Oh, no, who was it? Michael George Floyd and uh, Eric Gartner. Yeah. In New York. Well, one and guy was killed in New York. The, he, the guy in New York really was killed by the police. I mean, they they were you know crushing his windpipe. And that was a different yeah, situation. They, yeah. Here's the thing: uh-huh. states have to take back these powers that the federal government has acquired, and they abuse them. We see mm-hmm. what the FBI is doing. They're being used as a political weapon, and it's just completely out of control. So which state did this happen? This would be a good Jonathan Mosley topic, so he'll be here at the top of the next hour. Where did this happen? I believe it happened in South Carolina, but I'm not sure. Not surprised. I can't imagine this happened in Connecticut or Massachusetts. <laughs> just you know, I really don't know when it happened. Uh, I well, we'll take a look. Yeah. So do you know what the outcome the was? Did, is, uh, did the people keep their property or what? Well, see, this is the thing. Then it gets uh-huh. political because right. you've got Congress people who's not following the public uh, will, and mm-hmm. then you have others in politics that probably uh, put pressure 
on the police commission because I see what the chief of Columbia Police Department resigned, and then it was lawsuits going back and forth. But the thing is, is that it has to be prevalent that this power come back to the state as it was originally designed. Well, I think that's going to happen because the FBI is now going into different jurisdictions and doing whatever they think they please. They think because they're federal agents, they can they can uh, make up their own laws. They can do anything that they have no responsibility to the local law uh, officials, you know, particularly the county sheriffs, which which have jurisdiction over their county. I don't care what fed walks in. Feds are still subject to the laws of the county they operate in. You know, the feds are only supreme where those specific areas have been delegated to them by states. And the only, and we've talked about this with our disarmament bill of the of the federal army, um, and that of the bureaucrat army, and that would be counterfeiting treason and piracy. So unless this federal agent was investigating counterfeiting, which is the Secret Service, so there there is no justification for ATF anyway. Um, piracy, you know, that would make them the Navy or the Air Force, you know, the Coast Guard, um, or or treason, which would be as a result of a, of a declared war that these people were making war against the United States. They have no jurisdiction anyway, really. But that people don't know about. But anyway, as, but as far as operating in another state, I love the idea that local police said, what are you doing? They were acting illegally. They were stealing property. Well, if you're stealing property, it doesn't matter what your job title is. You know, if you're an accountant and stealing property, you're getting arrested. If you're a lawyer and stealing property, you get arrested. And if you're a government employee and you're stealing property, you get arrested. That's what we have to get well, to these Well, you know, folks. federal government, mm-hmm. federal government can only create laws regarding certain subjects mm-hmm. that are listed in the Constitution, like you may mention, right. such as regulating the interstate commerce and providing for the punishment for counterfeit money. Well, commerce from there, interstate commerce only covers the ability of states to freely um, have commerce cross state lines without specialized interference or, or privilege or uh, or favorable laws. In other words, if a state is taxing another state, um, if if uh, Kansas wants to export stuff outside uh, the United States and it goes through the port of New Orleans and Louisiana has a big tax on goods coming out of Kansas, that's an unfair trade practice. That would be the jurisdiction of Congress to equalize trade yeah. for for Kansas and Louisiana. That's it. But everything else that comes under interstate yeah. commerce that has nothing to do with an actual good and service crossing a state boundary with differential laws, anything other than that is not interstate commerce. That's not what the clause is about. Anyway, I'll get to my case um, real soon here. So let, let's tie this one up. And then I want to talk about this fascinating case of Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Those powers that you're talking about, yeah, those powers you talk about refer to as the enumerated powers of exactly. the federal government. And well, they were very confined in the beginning, but now they have gotten completely unrecognizable and out of control, and they need to be reeled back in. Yep, yep. Well, I'm going to start working on the judiciary uh, review, judicial review bill again, um, mostly because I want to add to it places where laws can be made unconstitutional, the state courts, the state legislatures, juries, things like that. So I'm going to work on that. But let me get to this case that I find fascinating here. And this is Breitbart. And you think Breitbart would know better. So they briefly describe, you know, you've got Governor DeSantis on the cover. The title of the article, Illegal Aliens Flown to Martha's Vineyard File Lawsuit Against Ron DeSantis. Well, let's take a look at that headline, first of all. Illegal aliens have no standing. Legally, they're not here. They have no rights because you can't have rights to a place that you can't be in 
because if you can't exercise those rights, those rights are moot. You don't have them. So the idea of, of Breitbart, conservative Breitbart, you know, the, in the memory of Andrew Breitbart, who I believe was assassinated by the government for creating citizen journalists. <laughs> Can't wait to see what my fate is. Um, has a headline, illegal aliens flown to Martha's Vineyard file a lawsuit. Well, how can illegal aliens file a lawsuit? They're illegal aliens. They can't file anything. The only thing they, they can well, do is report it. It'd be like saying somebody in Spain could have access to U.S. courts to sue you or exactly. me or anybody. Sure. Well, they it can't do that too. Yeah. In other words, so illegal aliens, if they're flown back to, well, I don't know, Ireland, you know, can they, can, they sue, can they sue the American taxpayer from Ireland? Well, that'd be kind of stupid. You know, can they sue the Irish? No. You know, even if they're fellow countrymen. I mean, I just picked Ireland. We do Irish illegals, by the way. I didn't just make that up. Go to Boston sometime. Trust me. There's plenty of illegal aliens from Ireland. But you know, Go ahead. somebody had to coach them into doing that. Well, that's what And then there should be countersuits that, on that people. An yeah. entity that's coaching them illegals because yep. basically what they're doing is assisting in the harvesting of illegals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But listen to – so let me uh, – I don't know how much of this I, I want to get to here. So uh, let's get to – on Tuesday – oh, here we go. Here's the rest of the article. On Tuesday, illegal aliens flown to Martha's Vineyard filed a class action lawsuit against DeSantis. Well, like we said, they can't do that. First of all, illegal aliens are not a class. They're illegal. They have no rights. They have no standing. They have no ability to be here. And if you can't be here, you obviously don't have constitutional rights if you're not here. Therefore, the idea that these people have rights is, is irrational. Anyway, <laughs> the, but I'll, I'll go on here. And this is uh, rep- – and here's where it gets interesting. Represented by lawyers with the non-governmental organizations, those are the NGOs, Alianza Americas, and Lawyers for Civil Rights. So who are these people, Alianza Americas? And lawyers for civil rights. I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Uh, I had enough, enough to do for today anyway, but I'll take a look. It says the illegal aliens claim in their lawsuit, <laughs> as told to them by Alianza Americas <laughs> and the lawyers for civil rights, uh, that in their lawsuit that they were defrauded by DeSantis and promised employment, housing, and food when they arrived at Martha's Vineyard. Well, first of all, uh, you can't defraud an illegal alien because they can't be here. Secondly, you can't promise them employment, housing, or food because they're not allowed to be here. So what part of not allowed to be here are these people not getting? And how could Breitbart write this article describing this? What they should have said was the illegal aliens' bogus claim in their lawsuit of being defrauded by DeSantis for things they cannot have, such as employment, housing, and food when they arrived in Martha's Vineyard. Now, wouldn't that be a a correct way to state this? Do I I have to rewrite everything? (laughs) And And they're supposedly conservative. They're supposedly, you know, mega people. They're supposedly America first. What the hell happened to Breitbart? I, this, this looks like something out of CNN. Piaki? What well, is it? CNN, those major networks know, uh, should know, the investigative area of that don't thing, that mm-hmm. what those illegals are being coerced into doing and being mm-hmm. exploited is doing is wrong. Like you say, they have no standing here. They're here illegally. Well, and which means legally they're not here. And that's the other thing, too. This is the thing that people, uh, you know, this is, this is how I explain it. If you're an illegal alien, if you're not allowed to be here legally, you're not here. So all you can be is deported. You're a non-person. You don't exist as far as the Constitution is concerned. Because the Constitution says very clearly, we the people of the United States of America, illegal aliens, are not of the United States of America. They're of their country of citizenship. So they can't be covered by the Constitution. They can't be covered by the rights we have here. The only right they have is to – well, actually, they don't have any rights here. 
So the only process is for them to leave uh, and apply to come in here legally, which after being here illegally, I would make highly uh, dubious at best. But that's the thing. And they don't understand that. That no one's talking about that. They talk about, you know, then the leftists will say, well, they're people too. Well, of course they're people. But that doesn't change the fact that they're not we, the people of the United States of America. They're illegal aliens. So let me give you more of this lawsuit. Uh, this lawsuit is hysterical. It says the individual plaintiffs were among the immigrants on those planes. Okay, they're not immigrants. Immigrants come here legally. They're not illegal immigrants because that's a contradiction in terms. They're either legal immigrants or illegal aliens. There is no other choice. So those planes, well, they, they should have been on the planes anyway. Planes should have gone to uh, Mexico. What's that now? Migrants? It left as always do. They change the definition or change the word, so they also describe them as migrants. Yeah, but why don't the Geldings change it back? See, for every, every term that the Marxists change, the Geldings could change back, but they don't because they're Geldings. Now, a migrant is somebody that comes to the country, temporarily does a job, and goes home. So the first question I'd ask uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar... What's her name? You know, uh, Jean-Pierre is the definition of migrant says very clearly that they come here to work and go back. So when are you sending them back? Uh, 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 well, we're not sending them back. Well, then they're not migrants. You know, they're stowaways. You know, they're, uh, they're squatters. They're illegals. But uh, they're certainly not migrants. You know, the, the, the folks that came from Mexico to work uh, the agricultural fields, which is interesting that Cesar Chavez, who headed up the uh, – um, United, uh, was it farm workers? Yeah, I think it was the UFW. United farm workers hated the illegal aliens because it took jobs away from the lawful immigrant Mexican Americans that were here legally. So most people don't know that about Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez was a pretty cool guy. Uh, I was in San Francisco when he was still alive, and so it was interesting to listen. And the few times I heard him, um, but yeah, he had no use for illegals at all. Think about that: an American of Mexican descent. You know, the, and the, 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 the Republicans should have picked up on this, but they never did. They don't, they don't understand because they're racist themselves. They don't understand that Americans of Hispanic origin have nothing in common with Hispanic illegal aliens. They simply don't any more than, uh, you know, white people have in common with Adolf Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, or black people have in common with Idi Amin Dada. You know, just because someone's the same skin color does not mean that everything else is the same. To think that way is a racist thing. That's how you can tell the races. Yeah, the absolutely that, right. Yeah, that's the, the group people well, by skin you, color and think they're all the same. Yeah. I'm not, you know, well, I mean, Mother Teresa. At, yeah, go ahead. What if you're looking at skin color in 2022 or if you're trying to go back and look yeah. at pictures of, of uh, 6,000 B.C.? Mm-hmm. You don't have anything in common with them other than emotional. Exactly. You know, does uh, Xi Jinping have anything? Well, actually, Xi Jinping might have something in common with Genghis Khan. I <laughs> just thought about that. It's kind of an interesting thought. Anyway, but the point is that Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler are both white people. End of story. Let's go back to this case. <laughs> this, I find this fascinating. So then it says uh, all of them are subject to the same pattern of practice and inducement. Now, I, what's the inducement to Martha's Vineyard? And, you know, uh, these people, uh, they probably didn't know anything about it. They didn't know where they were going. Uh, they were not, see, they, they were used as pawns by Ron DeSantis, but I think fine. If you're in my country illegally and Ron DeSantis wants to use you for political purposes, I don't care. You shouldn't have been here. Not my problem. So then it says, next paragraph, under the auspices of acting out of the goodness of their hearts, the Doe defendants, I guess those are the unnamed, undocumented uh, illegal aliens that shouldn't be here. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Doe defendants, they're talking about Ron DeSantis, made false promises and false representations that if the individual plaintiffs, that would be the illegals, and other class members, 
<laughs> I don't know who they are, were willing to board airplanes to other states, they would receive employment, housing, and educational opportunities. I don't think the Senate's made any claim of the kind. I think this is all being made up. Because no. the Senate doesn't, doesn't have to make claims of employment, housing, and educational opportunities. We don't have to convince the illegals to go. We just have to put on a plane saying, you're going to Martha's Vineyard. Ah, hola. <laughs> Bien. <laughs> Let's go. And here's another thing. The key yeah. word that they made there again was goodness of their hearts. Mm-hmm. But when you got politicians that starting to legislate based on the goodness in their heart, now you got a problem. Because mm-hmm. you're supposed to legislate according to the supreme law and other laws, not yeah, the really goodness good of your heart. Yeah, feelings. Yeah, it's like saying, "Well, we're only giving you the uh, the, the vaccine mandate because uh, we care about you." <laughs> well, that's BS. <laughs> I don't care if you care about me or not. It's my right to take it or not. You know, and so so rights always trump feelings. So you're absolutely right. It's a good point. Thank you. Um, then it says the Doe defendants. I guess they're not naming them all yet. Also told the individual plaintiffs that would be the illegal aliens and other class members. <laughs> I don't know who those are, uh, that they would receive assistance with their immigration proceedings at their destination. Well, first of all, there again, these people are not immigrants. So there are no immigration proceedings for these people. They're illegal aliens. They can't be here. You can't turn illegal aliens into immigrants in the United States. That has to be done in their home country. So again, this is a flawed article with flawed reasoning. Well, Florida has done the right thing. March, Martha's Vineyard, as does Chicago, and, and I think Martha. California, advertised as being sanctuary enclaves, sanctuary departments. So you've got these migrants that's looking for a sanctuary. Well, send right. them there. Send them well, where the sanctuary entities say, come on, and we'll take care of you. Now, well, if the citizens of those Chicago, if the citizens allow that, then that's up on them. But Florida shouldn't be taking on putting extra uh, illegal children in their school system. That's already strapped for cash. Besides, my own county here, Santa Rosa County, I filed a bill with the uh, Board of County Commissioners over a year ago to make us an illegal alien-free zone, which is the opposite of a sanctuary city. And guess what they've done about it? (laughs) Nothing. But you you made another really good point. I don't even think you know you made it. When you said that, uh, um, that they made a false representation, um, you know, said that it wasn't a false representation of, of employment, housing, and education stuff because they couldn't make that, the sanctuary city itself is a false representation, is it not? And would that not be grounds for a defense or, a, or, or a ground, actually would be, it'd be a great defense against this lawsuit because it's bogus, first of all. But secondly, uh, if you have to argue on the merits, the merits are that they made a false representation that they were a sanctuary city. Or Sanctuary Island, right? Mighty Whitey Absolutely. Island. Mighty Whitey Island doesn't take uh, you know sanctuary people into their sanctuary. That's a false representation. How come that's not in the article? Geez, do I have to do everything? <laughs> Piaki, do we have to do everything for these people? And they're supposedly on our side. <laughs> they can't get it right. So, this, so they made a false representation. Uh, defendants had not even notified any government or nonprofit entity that had been NGO that could provide such services. But they don't have to because such services are not allowed to be given to illegal aliens. You can't give illegal aliens services. They can't get taxpayer money. They can't get benefits. So the idea that these people are, are bringing a lawsuit to get something that illegal aliens are, are, are not allowed to have is laughable. But the sad part is they actually go through as a court case. I'm not, I'm not sure where it is. I'll ask Jonathan where this might be in court. But um, nothing about this case 
uh, makes sense. This is a perfect illustration of, of how rogue the government has gone and why they can't have the powers they have. If this is what they're going to do with those powers and bring lawsuits on behalf of illegal aliens to burden U.S. taxpayers with people that can't be here, making up bogus charges of promises that couldn't have been made, taken to a place that made a false representation of who they are. <laughs> I mean, how many more contradictions do I need? Oh, but I, I've got more, by the way. Well, they, anything you throw out there that's legal, they're going to try to sanitize it and make it based on emotions and a loving heart, which really should not be used at all. I have, a loving, I have a loving heart. I love people. I'm a people person. I do a talk show. I talk to people all day long. People are good. Well, maybe not. But what we don't have is any use for illegals or criminals. That's the difference. I don't think these people think of illegals as criminals. So here's another legal question. I'm going to ask Jonathan this in the next hour, too. But if you're, you know, the, the federal government says they have jurisdiction at the border. Well, that's true. At the actual border of the United States of America, they do have jurisdiction. Now, once inside that border by like two inches or whatever the border is, uh, along with that border are state borders. And as soon as the, the, the illegals cross not only the federal U.S. border, but the state border, they then become the jurisdiction of the state. And so my question is, once an illegal alien is in a state do not they come under the state jurisdiction of uh, local law enforcement and state law enforcement the state, and county law enforcement? The state right? has what's called territorial jurisdiction, which mm-hmm. can even trump the federal. So yeah. when a federal agent comes into a territorial, a state's territorial jurisdiction, that state has a right to implement laws that they think is for the protection of their state. Yeah, yeah, and I would extend it further because I would say that if a, if a if an illegal alien is in Texas or Florida, for example, uh, once they're in, they're an illegal alien, but they're also a criminal. They're also a common criminal. They have broken our laws, and as such, can be arrested, has that forfeiture. They can have anything happen that any other criminal can have. Simply, you know, the fact that they're a citizen of another country, that's not our problem. They're committing crimes within our state just by being here and as such are subject to local, county, and state law enforcement. So you don't need the feds. The feds don't have to have anything to do with this until they drop back at the federal border. Then the feds can take over. But, the, you know, I would even – I don't like the idea of ICE operating within the country, you know, the immigration folks. No, uh, because you're right. Is, because once an illegal alien's here, it's not an immigration issue. It's a criminal issue. Well, the local authorities have a right to give lawful orders. I mean, the state sets these laws. In order right. to enforce the laws, you have to give orders. So the lawful order says you got to go. You're here illegally. You can't be putting all these people in the jail. Now yeah. you're just incurring the expenses that the taxpayers don't want to incur. It was not presented to them that this is something that you're going to have to incur sometime in September. No. Mm-hmm. The best way is to send them back where the hell they came from. And yeah. then... The cost to do that should be deducted from any U.S. aid that's going toward that country. Yeah. And the funny thing yeah. is, the aid is going there to alleviate the problems why they are running from anyway. So you're going to pay <laughs> twice? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes us pay foreign aid. If we're sponsoring illegal aliens in our state, we're actually being made to pay foreign aid. And that's not something that, that, that the government can do to us as individuals. Um, 
The other thing that was interesting, you know, getting back to criminals again. So these people are criminals within their state, and the, the federal government always screams, "Well, you can't. The states and local governments and, and law enforcement can't touch, you know, any anybody who's an illegal alien because they're the jurisdiction of the federal government." And what I'm saying is that's not true. If illegal illegal aliens are criminals, in terms of state and local law, federal law, you know, they, they can come with the, they're illegal aliens. But once they're in a state, you know, as an illegal alien, they are. A criminal. They are fugitives. They are fugitives in their country, and they, they, the, the states are everybody's empowered to treat them as any other criminal. You know, whether it's a bank robber, a drug dealer, or illegal alien, doesn't matter. They're criminals. They can have their assets seized, and they can be arrested, and they can be, in the case of illegal aliens, brought back to the border for deportation. But not just by ICE, but you know, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Group, but by any law enforcement entity. This is what I'm trying to get across, that this is, this is critical. And they're not, they're not operating that way because they're all scared of the federal, well, only the federal government can have, uh, you know, have responsibility for immigration. Well, these people are not immigrants. They're criminals. And there's a big, big difference. And then it gets even worse. We've got about 20 minutes left before Jonathan joins us. Then it says the lawsuit accuses DeSantis of violating the Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment rights of the illegal aliens by enticing them to board flights in Martha's Vineyard. So I'm really curious what exactly what Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment rights these illegal aliens have. They don't have equal protection because they're not allowed to be here. They don't have due process because they're not allowed to be here. So what exactly uh, did DeSantis violate, according to these wacko leftists, by putting illegal aliens on a plane to another part of the United States, which they, should, they actually weren't even entitled to that. Put me on a plane to Martha's Vineyard. I'd love to go. You know, get my Ben and Jerry's ice there cream, some dumb butt sit down in the shade. Go ahead. There's a dumb butt reporter that's mixing words, trying to confuse people, which in America today mm-hmm. is easily done. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I didn't know the reporter's name. I should have done that. So the article is Illegal Aliens Flown to Martha's Vineyard File Lawsuit Against Ron DeSantis. That's a bogus title. John Binder, B-I-N-D-E-R. John Binder, you're an idiot. September 20th, 2022. So that would have been five days ago. Six days ago. What's it, 26? What's 26 already? We're into fall. We passed the autumnal equinox, and I didn't, I didn't even mark that day. What was wrong with me? I mean, the pagans, I'm sure, are furious. Okay. <laughs> Back to the article. Um, John Binder, you're an idiot. Yeah, you want to you complain? Call my show, 215-383-3832. I'll call you an idiot right over the radio. In fact, I think I did. You're an idiot. All right. And then it says, oh, here's more. Of the, this is from the lawsuit, too. They've got these little, these little bracketed things that are actually from the lawsuit. By fraudulently inducing individual plaintiffs to board an airplane and cross state lines. <laughs> what do you mean cross state lines? They didn't cross the federal line. <laughs> state lines at that point are kind of moot, don't you think? described in the manner herein, defendants engaged in an egregious abuse of power that deprived individual plaintiffs of their liberty in a manner that shocks the conscience. They actually wrote this in the, in the lawsuit. Deprived individual plaintiffs of their liberty? They don't have any liberty. They don't have any liberty here. You know, it goes back to the same argument. They have no rights here. They have no liberty here. They have no claim here. They have no status here. They have no immigration status here. They don't have anything here. They're not allowed to be here. And yet this article, this idiot, uh, and the people that filed this lawsuit are trying to convince Americans of this bogus claim that illegal aliens have liberty here. What shocks the conscience is that they even make that argument. That's what shocks my conscience. Then it says defendants can conduct of inducing immigrants, which they aren't, to travel across state lines, which I don't care, by fraud, which is not true, and misrepresentation, which isn't true either, except for the sanctuary cities, discriminates against individuals on the basis of race and national origin. Oh, that's rich. That's funny. That's hysterical. 
uh, on the basis of race and national origin. Well, are there any white people crossing the borders? I j- I'm just curious. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, everybody has a race, supposedly, although I don't agree with the concept. Discriminates against it. So, so in other words, flying illegal aliens who have no status here from one place where they can't be to another place where they can't be discriminates against them on the basis of race and national origin? Oh, yeah. You know what they're going to say is that the whites are discriminated against these browns, browns and well, colors, people of color. Yeah, but you know who's Whites are afraid of their diminishing population and don't oh. want to see these people of colors. That's why. You, you know what? There were a lot of white people in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, me included, for a long time. We knew we were 25% of the population. We, we white people of, of, of the San Francisco Bay Area of California knew that we were 25% of the population. It's roughly a little bit less just because we have the, you know, the other category like Pacific Islanders and things like that. But it's typically 25% white, 25% black, 25% Hispanic, and 25% Asian with, you know, a few percentages of other, you know, taken from those. But it's basically one quarter uh, of those divisions. I didn't see anybody leaving. I've never heard a white person who left Florida say, well, you know what, there's not enough white people there. Uh, i got to get out of California. I want to go to Florida. I mean, there are more white people than where I was in the Bay Area. I kind of miss the, the, the variety. I, I miss the Brazilian restaurants down the street. I miss the Thai food. I miss some of the things. I like being in the Bay Area. I love the, the quote, diversity. I didn't give a damn that I was only, you know, that the white people who, quote, look like me were only 25% of the population. That was irrelevant to me. In fact, I was saying just the opposite. Isn't this great? I can claim affirmative action. I can claim discrimination. I'm a minority and damn proud of it. I was a proud minority of the San Francisco Bay Area well, of California. You know- to sum all that up, in all the places that you mentioned, those uh-huh. people were legally here and legally doing a legal business. Uh-huh. Well, not all. This was San Francisco, after all, and it was a sanctuary city. But most people, you know, a lot of folks are there illegally. But I knew we had illegal Chinese. I knew we had illegal uh, um, folks from Central and South America. I knew we had illegal Europeans. I knew we had uh, all kind of, you know, I'm sure there are illegal Italians in the North Beach area, which is you know, the old Italian section. I knew it. You know, did I want them to stay? No. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I wasn't, you know, going around trying to find out who was legal and who was illegal. That's not my job. But it was fascinating, uh, the, the variety. You know, if you go to San Francisco, uh, you've got, um, you know, you've got the town section, North Beach, next to Chinatown. You know, you've got all these different areas. In, in the southern part of the city, there's a whole Armenian district. People don't realize that. Uh, and the Armenians, you know, uh, they had this, this rice dish that they, that they used to cook way back when. And one of the Armenians thought, you know, we should share this. You know, they called it rice-a-roni. This is it came from. It's not from Armenia. It's from San Francisco. The San Francisco tree. But it's, basically, it's an Armenian, you know, rice recipe. And so that's what makes the, that's what made San Francisco great. So you talk about immigrants making it better for Americans, and a lot of people like rice aroni. Uh, so that's, uh, the Armenians brought that here, you know. So all these different things that were brought here are wonderful. That's the strength. Immigrate, immigrants are supposed to make Americans' lives better. That's the whole point. Anyway, let me see. We're almost done with this article, and then we got a little bit uh, um, before Jonathan gets here. Defendants' conduct discrimination. Yeah, this conduct impermissibly discriminates against non-citizen plaintiffs. Okay, they just said it right there. Non-citizen plaintiffs. Plaintiffs can't be non-citizens. Well, I mean, they can be. They can have legal status. They can have immigrant status and green cards. But illegal aliens cannot be plaintiffs. They can't. How can you be a plaintiff in a case in a, in a, in a nation that you can't be in? Again, it all comes back to that same argument. If you can't be here, none of this other stuff applies. And the judge should have tossed this immediately. I wonder where it is now. 
Oh, I found it. I found where the court case is. I should have read this article more carefully. The lawsuit asked the federal courts to determine that DeSantis violated federal law by transporting illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard and to prevent the governor from carrying out any more migrant flights to other states and localities. The case is Alianza Americas versus DeSantis. Let's pull it up. Let's see. what. Oh, here. I've got it right here. Case 1-22CV11550, document 1, filed 9-2022 in the, in the United States District Court of Massachusetts. Alianza Americas and Janet Doe, Pablo Doe, and Jesus Doe. <laughs> Those are the plaintiffs. <laughs> Janet, Pablo, and uh, Jesus. And the, and the defendants are Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Jared Perdue, Secretary of State uh, of Florida Department of Transportation, uh, and the Florida Trans. So they're suing the Transportation Department. I want to know what the, what the governor's doing with a couple of really nice airplanes. Those look like uh, you know twenty or thirty passenger jets. What does he run around on those on his weekends? <laughs> that was interesting to me. Uh, I'm going to read this lawsuit. We're going to. I'll post this lawsuit later. Let me look up Alianza uh, Americas. In fact, let me um, play. Let me play a couple of things, and I'll see if I'll pull up my Alianza Americas, and uh, I'll be back in a bit. And then we'll have Jonathan coming out at the top of the hour. So, Pianki, mute yourself, hold on, and we'll be back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows 
are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. So you want to help us out? This is how. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Well, it looks like I spoke too soon about Mr. Uh, uh, John Binder here. He's not a complete idiot. He totally screwed up that one article, though. But uh, he has redeemed himself, excuse me, as I have found uh, an article in Breitbart. Soros-funded group behind lawsuit targeting DeSantis for flying illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard. See, there you go. Did somebody get to him? Did he get paid off? This was 22nd of December. What's that first one? Let me see if I can find that one here. Illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard. That was on the 20th. So obviously he's getting a little better. Uh, in this article here, Jonathan's online. I'm going to make his line live. I'll get to him in just hey, a second. Jonathan, we're talking about the uh, um, 
this illegal alien lawsuit, uh, which is quite fascinating here, and just the whole idea of illegal aliens not having rights in this country. So it's, uh, I'll get you in just a second. Anyway, okay. so this article. It's a lot. Go ahead, Jonathan. DeSantis. What's that now? I was just looking at the the lawsuit against DeSantis. Go ahead. The, yeah, the actual one. We can pick, uh, we can pick up the actual lawsuit too. We've been sort of going the over overview in, in these uh, Breitbart articles. Then it says, "This is John Binder again, 22nd December, so three days ago, four days ago. A left-wing non-governmental organization, partially funded by billionaire George Soros, is behind a lawsuit targeting Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We had. I want to ask what we can do about this guy." Uh, because he's really screwing up our country. He's almost like a like a terrorist, uh, except that he's funny. Yeah, he is. Actually, he is a terrorist. I mean, can we can we label he him a terrorist? He needs to be looked at as a terrorist. And when do you finally go after a terrorist who is doing harm to your country, like Abu Bobby or whoever the guy was that the drone struck that time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't we freeze his assets like we did Iran when they held our hostages? There's a question for you. Jonathan's thinking. Maybe we caught him off guard. Maybe he's looking stuff up. Maybe he's left us. I think he's still there. <laughs> Let me continue with the article. Oh, yeah. This That's, man has got his hand. No, you right. go ahead, Jonathan. No, I well, I mean, first, obviously, <clears throat> you can't seize assets or do these other things without first finding people guilty. And you can't oh, find true. anybody <clears throat> anything guilty if you don't try. Um, you know, I like, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we talked about how I love uh, British sayings. Um, I only know of one from the movie, the Russia house where the guy says, don't know, cause don't want to know. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't find George Soros guilty if you don't want, if the, you know, the three monkeys with the blinder, you know, I, I know here, nothing. Here no, here no, I see nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Sir, yes, Jules. exactly. Oh, exactly. It's, that's a better analogy than the, than the, the monkeys here. No evil. It's, it's George Schultz. It's like, uh, it's the, you know, the evidence is right in front of them. And he walks, he says, I saw nothing. I didn't see Yeah. You know, or this conversation never happened. So, but, yeah, anyway, did. <laughs> but, but the thing is you have to, I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. well, okay. I, you know, again, we learn standard law, but nobody follows the law. So if mm-hmm. you're a conservative or a big company, then yeah, they, they will, Grab your, it'll seize your assets with no legal basis for it, like the, the FBI bank robbery that just happened, I think, a week ago, right. where they, they lied and broke into a bank and seized like $86 million of individual um, safety de- deposit bank, and they, they had no basis for it. So, of course. Well, they become a terrorist organization. Theory, I mean, Soros is one, but the, the FBI is, is now, a, you know, as, as an adjunct of the Democrat Party, they're, they're a terrorist organization. Look what they do. Yeah, they're they're Stasi. Yeah, they're, you know the the fe, you know that what are they the you know the the fascist boys of intimidation. Um, the uh, and, and the thing is, as I've said before, I do not believe that there that there's a rank and file of good. You know, the, the, again, every we started to say this last week, and I'm going to interrupt. I mean, I'm interrupting. I'm sorry, but no, you know, okay. tell me, no, no problem. Uh, Ramey, but but the thing is, is that every every institution that has merit and and credibility and respect it is part of the communist and yes you know it's just, it's just oh communist yeah right no but when you really get down to it it is because um, people don't know what communists are and they don't know you know who is a communist and mm-hmm. it doesn't just mean people wearing russian fur hats um mm-hmm. it um 
any institution that has credibility, they will go after it like termites. So you say like, oh, the FBI, I have, I have respect to the FBI. That's why they will infiltrate it, destroy it from within, you know, you know uh, make it rotten to the core because that's what communists do. They, mm-hmm. Nobody will buy their bunk. So they have to, they have to hijack respected institutions in, our, in any society and, and turn them over um, to, their, to their wicked cause. So the reason why all these institutions are not as great as we thought they were is because they're not the institutions that they used to be. Yep. They're, they're, this is, it, is not, it is not your grandfather's FBI. It is not, you know, the, all these institutions, it is not your grandfather's Democrat Party. The termites from the, of the communist movement, the revolutionary movement, have infiltrated it, you know, eaten it alive from within and transformed it into something completely different. Yeah. So, I'm just looking at anyway. a poll here on this article. No, that's, that's good. You shouldn't have unmuted me. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. But no, it's good. Actually, I, well, we're pretty free-flowing here. So I would, the only thing I want to cover on this article is the funding for this Alianza Americas. You know, this organization that uh, it's the front organization for uh, George Soros. But what I found interesting, they have this poll here, news ready. It says, should the U.S. deport illegal immigrants? Well, that's a bogus question. First of all, it's not up to the American people to vote on it. It's already been decided in law unless we change the law, you know, that illegal aliens go. First of all, there's no such thing as an illegal immigrant. You're the legal immigrant or you're not. So these bogus questions in polls, we should talk about polls sometime. That's a, that's a whole topic unto itself. All right. So it says here... Uh, despite having the capacity to house 6 million new arrivals, the illegal aliens were bussed off Martha's Vineyard less than 48 hours later to joint base Cape Cod. Who has 6 million? Who can handle 6 million new arrivals? I'm not sure what that sentence means. Anyway, so they went to military base. Hey, have we seen inside that base? Are they in cages? I'm just curious. Are the, are the illegal aliens in, in uh, Obama cages? Do we know? One sense or another. I mean, yeah, it's true. Why, why don't we see any photographs of them there? That's what I'm wondering. Why, why did Why did the administration uh, whisk them away from public view? Yeah, who and they may not still be there. They might have been flown back to Texas. I mean, who knows? That, that's another question. Anyway, uh, so it says the handful of illegal aliens flown to Martha's Vineyard have since filed a class action lawsuit. No, they haven't. We went all through that. Most of the Soros funding for Alianza Americas has gone to promote an open border agenda between the United States, Mexico, and Central America. No kidding. Including lobbying for pro-mass immigration policies in the U.S. No kidding. So Alanza Americas in the year 2020 got $100,000. Uh, looks like it got $150,000 too, and then another $200,000. So that's uh, two, three, that's 450, that's almost half a, uh, a million dollars. Half a million dollars to this Alianza Americas from George Soros. So now we know where this is going. His open society, uh, so that, that's, uh, that's a big part right there. All right, let me get this other article I found. A friend of mine who was looking stuff up uh, said that another group here is getting all kinds of funding as well. This is the, the Central American Resource Center, Los Angeles, and other CARECEN, that's C-A-R-E-C-E-N, affiliates in Washington, D.C., New York, San Francisco, are funded by numerous left-of-center organizations. The groups have received $897,000, almost a million, right, from California Community Foundation, $422,000 from the Weingart Foundation, $150,000 from the David and Lucille Packard Foundation. Don't they fund NPR? (laughs) $148,000 from the Feinschreiber Family Foundation, $134,000 from uh, Unidos U.S., you know, $125,000 from Unbound Philanthropy, 
77000 from the United Way. Don't they have thrift stores? <laughs> 75000 from the Annenberg Foundation. Well, they're a media leftist organization. $67,000 from the San Francisco Foundation. $57,000 from Liberty Hill. And $20,000 from the Ford Foundation. <laughs> so this, this, uh, this lawsuit's got a lot of money, Jonathan. There's a, there's a ton of money behind it. What, um, what do you think it's all about? Why, why would you file a lawsuit against DeSantis where the plaintiffs aren't plaintiffs because they can't be here, when the laws they're invoking have no relationship to what they're claiming, where none of this is real? It's just a totally bogus lawsuit. Yeah, it's got a ton of money behind it. What do you think is going on? This is the same organization that sued over January 6th. Oh. Um, the uh, the lo- lawyers for the uh, – the, uh, their, their lawyers for civil rights is – this is what they do. They're a, they're a partisan political um, operation. You know, they 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 aren't they are not a legal organization. They're political activists. I mean, are they, they lawyers? Um, well, they have lawyers in them, yes, but they're but they only go after now, now the 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 other they they only go after. You know, they only they, they only go after you know left wing agenda agendas and push for for um, the left wing agenda. Um, yep, I got the but, website right you know, here. A force for good. Right, the organization that's funded BLM. <laughs> well, listen to this. Lawyers for Civil Rights works with communities of color. I guess they don't like white people and immigrants to fight immigrants. Well, what they should say is illegal aliens to fight discrimination and foster equality through creative and courageous legal advocacy. Well, it certainly is creative. That lawsuit, I'll give them that. It's creative. All right. Legal advocacy, education and economic empowerment in partnership with law firms and community allies. We provide free life changing legal support funded by George Soros, probably to individuals, families and small businesses. We focus on impact areas. Anyway, go ahead. You you get the idea. The number one, the number one reason why this works is because the uh, the Republican Party typically, like mm-hmm. you know, are weenies, or as you talk, yep. they you know they've been castrated. They're they're geldings. The geldings, gelding and party. so it, I like, stand by that. It, it, this is these are people who who like are are like the bully in high school, you know, stealing people's lunch money. Mm-hmm. You know, until you stand up to them and bloody them in the nose, they they won't stop. They they I mean. It, they're they're used to saying preposterous things uh-huh. and and getting away with it because nobody pushes back. Well, I'm pretty sure DeSantis is going. Although he stopped doing it, so I mean I'm not that that's a point against DeSantis is you know if, if, if now De, the thing is if you're DeSantis, you're governor of Florida and you've got some other things to do, uh-huh. and you authorize some people down the line somewhere, you know yeah they could screw it up. The people who are actually doing the work on the ground, you know, they might have they might have messed it up. Um, the um, the uh, um, you know, so you have he has to make sure that the people are doing it correctly. But from every indication, they did. Um, the only thing I've heard that's a possible issue about this lawsuit or about this issue is they they claim that the signer, of course, everything they claim is a lie. So I don't you know I don't know, but the um, <laughs> Um, but the only thing that the only thing that I still have a, you know, a blank, I don't have a check mark in my mind against is where they say the consent they signed wasn't translated into, in, into Spanish. But I'm not sure that matters 
I mean, because, you know, what, what kind of, I mean, what kind of adult gets on an airplane without wondering, hey, I wonder where I'm going? You know, it's like, it's not just the consent alone. It's, they don't care. They don't care where they're It's common sense. Yeah, well, exactly. So what's your problem? Now, remember yeah, that yeah. <laughs> this will go through a motion to dismiss phase, mm-hmm. and um, which will be, which will be, long mm-hmm. and but then the DeSantis team if if you know that DeSantis if DeSantis was asking his own lawyer he'd mop the floor with him but mm-hmm. he will probably he will probably you know hire I mean his well actually Moody finding a lawyer who's a weenie or wouldn't you know, our AG got, do nope, it nope. wouldn't wouldn't our AG huh? do it Ashley Moody wouldn't our, uh, our attorney general Ashley Moody wouldn't she take this case since it affects the governor yes, she would that's correct. Probably have to hire counsel in, in Massachusetts, and you know it, it would be extreme. It, it, it would be it would be as hard to find a good lawyer who do this properly as it would to find an un, to pick an unbiased jury in, in the District of Columbia for yeah. the January sixth people. I mean, you might be able to find twelve honest people, but pretty unlikely. Um, so, so presumably, presumably the attorneys will be horrible because they almost, and and as I said before, one of the reasons why the attorneys in these cases are so horrible is that this is not what attorneys typically do. Typically, you know, you walk in, you say, somebody hit my car, you know, and I, and my, and my neck hurts and they say, okay, here, send it over to, uh, you know, to, uh, um, this doctor, he's very flexible, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and we'll go in, I mean, because. The things that have this sort of externalities, this kind of political agendas, it, it, it's not within your typical lawyer's wheelhouse. This is not they, they're they're lost in a, you know, they're lost in this kind of stuff. So as a result, they're really really horrible at it. Um, you know, and the other reason too is like, and there's a, in Devil's Advocate, the movie, there's a little bit of a reference to that to that um, where. He says, you know, he, he's being accused of murder. He says, yeah, but your, your defense is destroying me and my business and my reputation. Hmm. And, and, and attorneys don't understand that or don't care. They say, we will, we will leave our client tattered and destroyed, you know, broke and penniless and hated by the entire community. But we're just going to win this one little narrow point. <laughs> so this is, why, this is why attorneys are horrible. Um, but presumably, if they have a, a decent a decent attorney, they'll be able to do discovery and they'll take the deposition of these people. And well, you know, see, and more than likely, what, well, why is this what? case even going forward? These people have no standing; they're illegal aliens. And this gets to my point because that, because, because you can well okay because you can you can sue about anything, and then then the other side has to file a motion to dismiss. And it has to be briefed, and it has to be argued, and then, then you get to the motion to dismiss phase. Huh. And you're saying they don't have any standing because it, well, they um, don't. They do. Well, they don't have any. I mean, th- there are there are motions to dismiss for lack of standing because of lack of damages. And and if if DeSantis's lawyers are not you know pathetic weenies, which they probably will be. <laughs> they, they, you know, I have seen, I have seen motions to dismiss saying that this person has not alleged any damages. Um, you know, being flown to a to a, to a world resort 
mm-hmm. is not is not grounds for damages. Sorry. Um, you know, I've been arguing with people online saying, where can I sign up to get a, you know, to get flown to Martha? Yeah, we were talking about earlier. We want for, the Ben and Jerry's. We want to sit under the, the nice little verandas. We want to have the, you know, the air condition. We want to be on Mighty Whitey Island with the other Mighty Whiteys, and uh, this would be fun. Mighty Whitey Island. That's what I've been calling it. I mean, it seems, seems to fit. So DeSantis' <laughs> lawyer should file a motion to dismiss saying that, that th- there are no damages here. I mean, it's a net positive. Yeah. And um, so, uh, so it should be dismissed for lack of – that is a portion of standing. Now, you're saying that because they're illegal that you – know, they, <laughs> they have no standing. They think, I, I don't know I don't that the law will go there because they'll say that like, – No, it doesn't, you, but it should. If someone comes here – if someone – it used to be Miami. Now, huh. you know, now it's Chicago. Um, if someone if, – if a tourist goes to Chicago – and get shot, they do have mm-hmm. standing for being in. In uh, well, they were here legally. If you're here as a tourist, and depending on the country, you can come here on your own, or you, you get a visa. That's a legal status. They they are legally entitled to be here, so they're legally entitled to protection. They're not entitled to constitutional rights, you know, because they're they're tourists. They're they're different. They're they're subject to another nation's jurisdiction. But they would have they would have. Uh, but if they commit a crime, and you know, that's that's a different thing because they're not citizens. So it would be certainly different. But in terms of, yeah, if they have a crime committed against them, sure, they have, they have standing and they can sue and, and they can do all kinds of things. I'm not sure where the exact delineation is you know, for tourists, but it's a lot different. Illegal aliens aren't here. What I'm arguing is that they have no status. They couldn't be part of a lawsuit even if they wanted to because legally they're not here. They can't exercise any rights here because they're not here. Legally, they don't exist here. Yeah, there is the, no standing. The there is the no – so, I know, well, this, like but that. that's my argument, though, and this is my argument with the courts. I'm not arguing with the illegals. I'm arguing with the courts that the courts are taking impossible positions that you cannot. In fact, I've asked people, I've asked liberals this question. They can never defend against it. How do you have rights in a place you're not allowed to be in? And the answer is you can't. That's the only possible answer unless you're lying or just making stuff up. So if you can't well, have rights in a place, then you can't claim rights in a lawsuit. That's my argument. The courts are just, the courts are just making stuff up. Exactly. Um, the, um, now, the 14th Amendment mm-hmm. talks about persons, but it's right. clear in context it means persons who are citizens or residents of the United States. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 I mean, the context you know, could not be mistaken, but the courts, you know, people say, like, when I argue about climate change, like, oh, you think you're – you you think that the, the the scientists don't know what you know? No, they know. They're liars. You know <laughs> exactly. It's not it's yeah. not that they don't know it. It's just that they're flipping lying. Yeah. So, um, so if the expert doctor the, uh, gives you a, a COVID jab that kills you, and I say don't take it because it's dangerous, who's the expert? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So well, um, anyway, so so the thing is, the courts don't you know don't make that distinction. But you're saying it's a common sense distinction. In fact, it could be. Well. Mm-mm-mm. It would be a. Um... Well, I'd say it's a legal distinction. Listen to the, the beginning of the Constitution, which says, We the people of the United States. It doesn't say, We the people. It doesn't say, We the people of the world. It doesn't say, uh, We the people of the UN Declaration point. of Human Rights. It says, We the people because of the United the way, States. So the jurisdiction of the, the Constitution. People, yeah. Is We the people of the United I'm States. Helping, I'm Go helping ahead. with some lawyers who are. Um, trying to resurrect Carter Page's lawsuit, and we're just going oh. through a lot of statutory. Do you tell? Can I help? 
Well, it's, 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 well, how's it probably, I mean, it's just a whole nother topic. Um, okay. Uh, it's outrageous. It's, it's ridiculous, but, but maybe, maybe we could devote a whole hour to it like like next week or something. But, um, we can start it, but I mean, we've got 45 minutes still. You started early. I mean, the misinterpretation of statutes is just, it's just like on the mind. So, so that is an excellent point. I mean, and that's the way statutory interpretation would work. It's like you say, Mm -hmm. well, the 14th amendment says persons and one of the mistakes Clear, well, I mean, there are no rules, of course. The courts are the Wild West. Uh, but, but one of the rules is supposed to be that um, if the, you read something as a whole, right. you don't read the 14th Amendment. You read the entire Constitution front to back. That's one oh, of the okay. rules of interpretation. Huh. So when you say persons in 14th Amendment, you would have to include what you just said. That people, the word people, is used to mean citizens. Well, that's and, the jurisdiction. And, uh, this, this should be the jurisdiction clause. I don't know if there is a jurisdiction clause when we talk about constitutional law, but I'm, I'm saying this is the jurisdiction clause. The Constitution of the United States, the very first words, we the people of the United States, that is the jurisdiction. The opening one, two, three, four, seven words is the jurisdiction. So anything that is outside we the people of the United States is not covered by this Constitution. It's not. It yeah. can't be. That's the or, jurisdiction well, clause. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's – it might be too broad to say it's not covered <clears throat> because there are things that the, the U.S. government may have to do, like go to war with people. But, um, but, it, but the, but um, the rights. rights granted the yeah. rights granted by the Constitution are mm-hmm. – and I've never heard anybody say that. That's a brilliant insight. Oh, thank um, you. That, I have uh, moments. Because you can't <laughs> – because what they're doing is they're, they're interpreting yeah. persons – in the 14th Amendment, and, and disconnecting it, which is exactly what this judge did to Carter Page, yeah, hmm. is that yeah, you, read, you, read, you, know, you read one part of the complaint without reading the whole complaint, um, which, is a, which is a clear mistake, but people do it all the time. Hmm. So, uh, so, that, so they would say that, that the 14th Amendment says, per, this is the argument, it says persons, uh-huh. right. and therefore it's not just citizens. Nope, that's and, not true. And what you and just I, well, pointed I, out I, makes that illegal. A legal yeah, error yeah. to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing, too, and it's actually a brilliant point on, on the leftist, on the Marxist part, to say that persons, you know, that's when they say, well, illegal aliens are just people, too. So, of course, they're people, too. That's not what we're arguing. <laughs> you know, what we're arguing is whether they're legally allowed to be here. Uh, and, and the same thing here. Mm-hmm. All persons born or naturalized in the United States, okay, uh, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof which reinforces we the people of the United States. That's a citizenship clause. That's a citizenship jurisdiction. It's not a geographical jurisdiction. You know, it's a citizenship jurisdiction Mm -hmm. because it's talking about citizens of the United States. It's not talking about residents of the United States. It's not talking about people who are in the United States. It's a citizen. But it's a brilliant argument because if they say all persons means, you know, covers every human being on the planet, you know, then then what they're putting the, the, the... you know, those of us that don't, don't put us, you know, America firsters in the position of saying these people aren't persons. Well, that's not what we're arguing. So that's what makes this the bogus argument. This is why people have to think, you know, like Sun Tzu, you know, come at this from different angles. You've got to think multifaceted approaches to your arguments. So when they say all persons, they mean, you know, this, they're the saying that all persons in the world who are here are covered by this, this uh, amendment. No, they're not. You know, all, they're right. not arguing well, that they're not persons. They are persons. What we're saying is that the Constitution, the jurisdiction clause, says that we, the people of the United States, 
And then it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to, well, what is, you know, in the United States? Does that include Guam? You know, does that include Puerto Rico? Does that include territories? I'm just curious. I think it does actually, doesn't it? Or not? Yeah, well, I mean, that could be lowercase. Uh, all what? persons born or naturalized in the United States is uppercase. Everything else is, well, all is, is because it's capitalized because it's the first one. The only capitalized words are United States or state. But the so, thing is, um, uh-huh. the, uh, you know, what you were saying about, you know, the, the Marxist tactics is, uh, you know, that goes back to like the 80s uh, when I was volunteering for Reagan Bush in 1984. Uh-huh. And the left was running around saying, well, we're against nuclear war. Implying that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's a great argument. The problem yeah. is we have young, young, immature uh, students, right? And and they would, you know, they would think, well, if 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 the left is against nuclear war, we must be for it, you know. And um, so so I mean, that's a trick we have to we have to watch for. It's well, like that they, that happens a lot. You know, that's that's an often used trick. You know, it's playing on sympathies. And it's a bogus argument. Well, but here's the other thing, too. The 14th Amendment is, and we've made this, actually, Mark Levin's one that uh, first taught me about this, the subject of the jurisdiction clause. You know, grammatically, where it says all persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, which means they are not subject to any other nation. So any citizen of another nation is not subject to our jurisdiction by virtue of the fact they're subject to the jurisdiction of another country, which means their children are also subject to the jurisdiction of another country being the responsibility of the parents, the parents being the responsibility of that other country. Therefore, being born on U.S. soil is no guarantee of getting U.S. citizenship. And I'm going to talk to... uh, uh, we've got some folks coming on. I'm not going to say who just yet, well, unless I've already done that. Um, but we've got some folks coming on the show uh, upcoming that, that I'm going to bring up this with them. We need to, to uh, in, in the next Trump administration, we need to go back and correct the mistakenly uh, named U.S. citizens that were born of illegal alien parents or tourist parents or anybody else who was born here who was not subject to our jurisdiction and correct those citizenships. And that's going to be in the millions. That's going to be a huge project. It's going to be done mostly by computer, but we need to correct that and, uh, and uh, go back all through the generations. Now, what to do with those people, that's a whole other question, but we need to correct the citizenship so we stop giving people this title of American citizenship that they are not entitled to, that is bogus and doesn't exist for them just because they're born here. That's going to be a huge project. Jonathan? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the thing is, you may, like I say, you... I think I've mentioned in the past, you may have an argument, that there may be an argument that it was a screw-up, but it was our screw-up. Which one? So, well, I mean, you might, you might have to, uh, you know, that if the United States government uh-huh. gave them a status to which they're not entitled, right. we may have to consider that, you know, part of that is, is our is our screw up, but you can take away the right to to, to make other people citizens. But did the U.S. And government do that? See, this is the question I'm asking because there is no policy officially. It's not written down anywhere, as far as I know. It's certainly not a law. It's not a court case, and it's it is absolutely the opposite in the Constitution. So these people could not no, have been named U.S. citizens because they are not subject to our jurisdiction. One of the greatest political. Um, educational issues in, or, you know, in um, 
that I've ever seen is the British is the British uh, TV series Yes Prime Minister. Now that was from the eighties. Recently, of course, they've gone full woke. Uh, but if well, they got a new prime minister. But um, do you know anything about Truss? Huh? Ms. Truss, the new prime minister, who's no, like I don't. Margaret this Thatcher too. Eighties. Oh, okay. But the, yeah, this was this was this is like in the Margaret Thatcher era, and okay. um and, and but the, but it's a TV series, and, and it's huh. like a it's like a political education of of the highest order, huh. and um oh now I forget what what I was what the, what your point what the point was, um. But, uh, you know, it, it teaches a lot of things. What did you just say? About, well, we're um, talking about citizenship jurisdiction and, uh, you know, and, and some other things. I don't know. Actually, we, we've been rambling so much here. Uh, I'm, thinking, I'm always thinking about the topics ahead, not the, not the things I've already said, because I've got some more. Yeah, uh, I understand. Fun, Sorry fun about that. So uh, well, it'll, okay. it'll probably come to me. But anyway, anyway so, um, oh, oh the, yeah, no, there's this wonderful thing where they say that uh, prime minister gives instructions to give um, – I forget the name, Ralph Jones or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, a knighthood. Mm. And, and says, so did you give, how, how did he, he say, and, and the, the career people, he's always fighting with the career people. The career people gave the knighthood to a union leader. And the prime minister gets from career, says, I meant Ralph Jones, not Ralph Jones. Mm. He, they gave it to the wrong person of that, that name. Oh, my you know, they, they, he, he, he was, you know, now can they take it back? So if the, if the, if the government, if the uh, government uh, of ICE or USCIS now uh-huh. grants paperwork of citizenship mistakenly, right? can they take it back? Well, if it was granted well, mistakenly, I'm, it doesn't I'm, exist. Well, that, but that, but the thing is the government may have the power to do it wrong. So, but the thing is, is they can, they can, they can say that you, you know, well, we, we can't kick you out, but we, we, you're not a citizen. You can't, you can't like sponsor a million, you know, all your extended family or whatever. I don't know. You yeah. can't vote. You can't do all these things. You're just going to, but, but anyway, so, so here's this lawsuit. So the lawsuit, the lawsuit starts out saying that plaintiffs are recent immigrants who fled from Venezuela a place subject to a level four do not travel advisory by the United States Department of Health. Mm-hmm. Now, health? Wait a minute. Due to rampant crime, civil unrest, poor health infrastructure, kidnapping, terrorism, and wrongful um, that, that should come from detention. the State Department. <laughs> Would that come from the State Department? That's not the Department of Health. The, the, the Department of Health must be something like hepatitis. None of these things come within the Department of Health. Now, the first thing I had to I had to read it carefully. Are they talking about Chicago? Is this uh, is, is this you know what what U.S. citizen city are they talking about? None of these yeah. things qualify for refugee or asylum. Yeah. The fact that you live in a country that 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 that's badly run does not qualify people for asylum. They're not they do not qualify. Yep. The fact that you know they're not refugees. There was no natural disaster. There's no war. You know the fact that the fact that that um, Central American countries like Chicago and and other U.S. cities um, are badly run and are overrun by crime um, does, is not asylum. Asylum is when you are a political dissident and there and the, the country is trying you know is trying to throw you in a gulag for political 
uh, persecution. Or, you know, there was a natural, you know, a, a, a volcano or um, natural disaster mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or there's a war going on. None of these things qualify. And as we've talked before, if someone is, an, is seeking asylum and they start walking north, they have mm-hmm. to stop in the first country they come to where they can be safe, which is better also because it probably speaks the same language, has the same culture. Well, Colombia and Brazil, Colombia and Brazil and some other nations touch Venezuela. I don't know what the other countries are. They're tiny, but those are the big ones. They're what? Portuguese. The countries that touch Venezuela, you're asking, you know, you have to walk to the next country, right? Well, the next countries to Venezuela are Colombia and Brazil. Those are the big countries on their border. Right. So they can't, you can't go through a safe country or relatively safe country because, again, Chicago is not safe. I mean, I mean, before, you know, a couple decades ago, um, uh-huh. Miami was, you know, as dangerous as, as Central America. Um, I remember when we, uh, you know, they, and, and remember they had the tourist who came to Miami and got shot. And it was like worldwide news because Miami was a dangerous place. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of like because the, the drug, the drug runners were had taken over Miami and the Caribbean until Reagan mm-hmm. came in and cracked down. Um, they can't, you know, simply being a dangerous place, being a poorly run government, having a poor economy does not qualify for refugee or asylum. Um, so, you know, but these activists start out by saying, and boo-hoo, they've got all these things. Plaintiffs have lived, led lives, have led lives inflicted by violence, instability, insecurity, and abusive trust by corrupt government officials that most yeah, Americans here. could hardly conceive of. Yeah, yeah unless they here. live in Chicago. Or, <laughs> yes, we do. They, they fled to the United yeah. States in a desperate attempt to protect themselves and their families from gang, police, and state-sponsored violence and the oppression of, well, there's not oppression of political dissent. That's not, doesn't happen. To put it simply, plaintiffs in the class of similarly uh, situated individuals they seek to represent are vulnerable in a way and to an extent that almost defies verbal description. None of that matters. You yeah. know, boo-hoo, like, like that's what communism and socialism does. These are people from Venezuela. Venezuelans are victim of socialism. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they're describing the, the outcome of socialism. Um, so they, uh, um, down here they said, the, the, these immigrants who are pursuing the proper channels for lawful immigration status in the United States, no, they're not the hands of DeSantis, akin to what they fled in their home country. <laughs> they got a flight to Martha's Vineyard. Oh, this is from the they, they were reading? flown to Martha's Vineyard. And this where, is, where, okay, so, so if, Mm-hmm. Is it where you, so? So if a, if a, is this right from the lawsuit? What? Are you reading this right? From I'm the reading lawsuit? from the lawsuit. Oh, I, I missed that part. Okay, yeah, because I've got it right here too. Okay, yeah, it's go paragraph, ahead. Paragraph six. It says so. What whatever they're fleeing in Venezuela is akin to a vacation on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> um, yeah. They uh, they they strip them of their dignity by by <laughs> having them mingle with the you know the billionaires and the rich and the. The, the, the high society of Martha's Vineyard. Um, they deprived them of their liberty, bodily autonomy, um, because okay. they got to go to Martha's Vineyard and they didn't have to work. You know, they, yeah. they, were, they were put to it. I mean, now, now, of course, the Martha's Vineyard. Are they being Vineyard, taxed? <laughs> what? Are they being taxed? 
you know, these, 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 these people that all they're bringing them in, I mean, who's collecting the taxes from them for being here? I guess they're paying. Well, you know, I mean, a free, you know, if, if you got, if you got, if you filled out a card at IHOP mm-hmm. and, and said, you know, to, to win a free trip to Martha's Vineyard, you might yeah. have to pay taxes on that. Yeah, because it's a benefit, right? Game shows. It's like a game show contestant. When they get a trip somewhere, they have to pay tax. They get that new car, they've got to pay tax on it. So these illegals have to pay tax right. on this trip because <laughs> they accept right. it. They went. Where's that? Uh, actually, they of, shouldn't pay yeah. tax. I mean, it's not right for them to, to anyone to pay tax, but the, the IRS would disagree. Um, no, actually, and I've made the next, that illegal, illegal aliens can't pay tax because that's a way to try and buy their status here, which they can't do. Only, only lawful citizens and lawful immigrants can pay taxes. Right. That's a shock to a lot of people. Yeah. So, so down, down to the factual allegations, mm-hmm. um, they, land, they landed on Martha's Vineyard. The individual mm-hmm. plaintiffs were among the immigrants on those planes. All of the, all of them, now listen carefully, all of them were subject to the same pattern and practice of inducement and deceit in the days leading up to their arrival in Martha's Vineyard. But now, look down here, um, they, uh, they, they say, uh, under the auspices of acting out of the goodness of their hearts, the Doe defendants made false prem- promises and false representations that if the individual plaintiffs and other class members were willing to board their planes to other states, they would receive employment, housing, educational opportunities, and other like assistance. That's what Massachusetts promised. That's what they, they're a sanctuary state. And saying, and, well, that's what we were warning earlier. That, that yeah. is, in fact, true. So, so fact, it wasn't that DeSantis promised that. They're saying DeSantis promised that, but this really Massachusetts promised that because they're sanctuary cities. It, they so did. This lost, you know, so this is wrong then. So, in fact, defendants had made no arrangements for employment, housing, educational opportunities. That's not their responsibility. Yeah. That's why they sent them to, a, to, a, to, to Massachusetts. Like, if that's Massachusetts' problem. Yep. Um, lacking work and shelter and in desperate circumstances, which is, where they were in Texas. They were literally sleeping on the street. Yep. You know, you know not, not on the street metaphorically, but actually on the physical street um, with, no, with no jobs. And so, so that's no change. Um, but, um, oh, they, uh, um, they gave, the, the, to induce the individual plaintiffs to trust in them, the Doe defendants gave them their cell phone numbers. So that the class members could call them with any questions about the purported plan when they reached their de- destination. Um, they uh, um, and then, but wait, down here the, where I'm trying to find the most important specific. Well, now, listen carefully. Specifically, yeah. while on the plane, right before land, can I? Am I interrupting? Right no, before no, you're, landing you're in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Defendants provided the individual plaintiffs each with a shiny red folder that included other official-looking materials, because they were, including right. a brochure entitled Massachusetts Refugee Benefits and instructions for how to change an address oh. with the U.S. citizen. This is the lawsuit. Now, remember, one of their arguments is that they had, they had um, immigration matters pending in Texas, and they took them away from the location where their, their – um, Cases are pending. No, the cases are pending nationwide, anywhere. They don't have to just report to Texas. Um, but the, the, the plaintiffs, the, the plaintiffs' lawyers say that they, they gave them instructions for how to change an address with this U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. 
um, including USCIS form AR11. Now, this is the plaintiff's attorney saying that they told, they gave them the card to tell uh, DHS, here's my new address. And, and they're being told that they're interfering with their, their, their appearing before the USIS. But notice how they gave them this packet of information on the plane right before landing. How mm-hmm. did that induce them to get on the plane? <laughs> well, I want to know how many other they people... Induced them with... <laughs> How many did they turn what? down? I mean, the first if I was a if I was a defense attorney of, De, of DeSantis, the first thing I'd do is say, "Well, look, you got you know another two thousand people that wanted to go, but we didn't have the space on the plane." So, you know, I mean, who didn't get to go? Well, no one's ever looked into that. You know what? We should go down and, and, and file and have file a lawsuit on behalf of those people who didn't get to go. Yeah. How come you that's, How come you sent these people those people to Martha's yeah, Vineyard? But that's not discrimination. Me. How do you discriminate against these illegal aliens against those other illegal aliens? Well, what are they coming in under? Right. <laughs> this is kind of funny, actually. What are they coming in under? Are, are they saying they're refugees? Are they just letting them in? They're giving them a status? Are they just releasing these people, you know, for no reason? Or what, what, what are they technically classified under, all these people that are coming in? What? 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 What, what, are, they, what are they classifying? What is the branded insurrection? You know, uh, classifying these people under. So all, the, all these folks, you know, these Venezuelans that uh, got the nice little they're, vacation. They, they, in say, they say they're, they're, <clears throat> they're asylum seekers who are okay. lawfully in the country seeking asylum. Okay. Well, you can't going seek asylum the, in the country. <laughs> you got to get no, asylum you before you come into the country, right? So, so that's the but first problem. They're not, they're, not refu- they're not asylum seekers. They are fraudsters. Right. You know, they, they are, they are grifters with the aid of these kinds of lawyers because they do not qualify for asylum. And so what, um, what is asylum? Let's, we should probably define that because huh? actually we have a lot of listeners. We have a lot of listeners now in, in Canada, Australia, uh, and England and that our audience is growing really fast internationally, which is, which is quite amazing. Um, but for, for those nations that have the same problem, like Britain does too, uh, Australia actually is handling it pretty well. They're not, they don't have that same problem because they have a merit-based uh, immigration system, but what exactly qualifies for asylum? I think you might have mentioned this earlier, but just to uh, just to be on the safe side, you've got to be persecuted. Uh, asylum severely, is, asylum you know. is a credible fear of political um, persecution. Well, I've got that. It does not mean it does not mean <laughs> I can You know, I want I want a higher paying job. Right. You know, it, it does not it does not mean that you know my government sucks. That is not or there's a crime problem. A crime problem is not grounds for asylum. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that there are poor in the world is sad. And if we, if we weren't such morons, we could actually be – well, see, the problem is in mm-hmm. order for us to um, – in order for us to help the rest of the world get out of their poverty and their mess, uh-huh. we would have to – you know, we would have to declare all-out war against socialism. The reason there, the reason there's so much poverty and misery around the world is is Karl Marx. Yeah. And uh, and socialism, like Venezuela, was one of the most prosperous countries. These people are from Venezuela. Yeah. Which 20 years ago was one of the most pro- prosperous countries in the world. Oh, they were oil ex- They were OPEC. They're members of OPEC. <laughs> they exported oil to us. I remember. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at the USCIS gov page on asylum. And yeah. it says, everywhere people come to the United States seeking uh, protection because they have suffered persecution mm-hmm. or fear that they will suffer 
persecution due to race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, which actually should reach, well, religion and political opinion. It doesn't mean my government sucks. That is not grounds for asylum. I'm looking at the the Department of Homeland Security, U.S. uh, Citizenship and Immigration Service page, uh, and it... um, well, I wouldn't say race is a, is a basis either because you've got uh, all kinds of indigenous folks all over Central and South America. Are they automatically qualified for asylum status just because they're a different, quote, race? Not just because they're a different race. They have to, they have to be suffering persecution because of their race. Like the Uyghurs, for example? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So the, Uyghur, the Uyghurs who qualify as asylum okay. because it is, it is an official yeah. government persecution by China based on their, on, well, be, probably based more on their religion than their race, cause, mm-hmm. because they're Muslim. Though. Yeah. Yes. Well, why would they that, walk through that 12 is countries to get to the United States? You got Costa Rica. You got all these other countries. The idea is to go to the, the adjacent country to seek that refuge. They're not coming to the United States to seek refuge from persecution. Look at these people. These women are full-breasted, full-hipped. They're not starving. The kids are wearing brand-new right. tennis shoes and all sorts of backpacks. They've all got smartphones. They're here for the money. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, they got and brand my new brother, my brother is trying to talk me into... Oh, yeah. One at a time, gentlemen. <laughs> Pianki, why don't you make your well, point? Just, let me just interject. My, my brother's trying, okay, to, he's trying to persuade me to, to move to Belize. For a better, a better, uh, better uh, so, uh, life than here in the United States. Well, it's funny you mentioned Belize. Talk about we have, uh, one of my good friends is in Belize. In fact, he was a fellow tour guide. Uh, Alan Dawson's been on the show. He used to be on Fridays, and Pianki would always ask him what was for lunch. It was hysterical. But we're planning a trip to Belize. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take all of us down there for a week. We're gonna broad, I'm gonna broadcast the show for a week. We, we've got uh, we got plans. Once all the the right. mandates and things I mean, get out of the way, yeah. But it's beautiful. But there are, country, there are countries that my, my brother, who knows the world pretty well and has explored things, oh, right. um, he wants to give up his – he wants to become an Armenian citizen. Um, the, uh, um, Why uh, Armenian? You know, if you, if United States people go to Costa Rica and, and all these places, you uh-huh. know, as a great place, why, why, why can these refugee people go, go past there and then come to the United States? Yeah, you know, but you don't, have to, you don't have to give up your citizenship to go live in Belize. You know, the Belizeans are quite happy to have you there. Now, you don't have the same rights, but that's the whole point of, of living well, in a different country. Why would you want to give up your American citizenship? No, but, that's stupid. He wants to give up his American citizenship because of bozos like Biden. Well, but, yeah, um, but, I mean, bozos like Biden aren't around forever. I mean, the country's good, just the leaders suck. That's a whole different thing. That's why we do what we do at yeah. Action Radio. Yeah. I got another point for you that's related, so I want to kind of tie this one up, but I got something that I think you'll find fascinating. When you're ready. Yeah. I guess we're ready. Okay, good. Um, we were talking earlier. In fact, I'm going to do a whole show. I'm trying to get John Eastman on the show from Claremont Institute. He wrote an article in the New York Post a couple of years ago, actually 2018, about revoking birthright citizenship. That's what we were talking about earlier with the 14th Amendment. And we said, well, how do we call this? And I found an article uh, in Reese Edwards. And I guess it's a British law firm or something like that. This is by Amar Ali. Immigration Solicitor, January 26, 2022. So it's, it's the beginning of the year. And what they're talking about is the difference between uh, revoking citizenship and nullifying it. 
So we talk about taking all these, these so-called birthright people where there is no official written policy that I know of, where there is no um, court case officially, in fact, it wouldn't matter anyway, it's illegal, when the 14th Amendment specifically says that unless you're subject to our jurisdiction, your parents are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States by having one of them at least be a citizen, they're not citizens. And so the question is, what do we call this? And I would call it nullify. So it says here, the nullification of a, is about the British. It says the nullification of a person's British citizenship is aimed at removing the citizenship from someone who was granted it incorrectly and therefore puts them back to a state whereby they were never granted it in the first place. This is usually down to a genuine omission rather than a deliberate one. Of course, ours is deliberate. Deprivation, on the other hand, is aimed at those who have tried purposefully to defraud the system. This is exactly what we'd be doing, removing the citizenship from someone who was granted it incorrectly and therefore puts them back to a state whereby they were never granted it in the first place. That's what we need to call well, it. If the so, person, so if, the person if, mm-hmm. if the individual um, either you know, made fraudulent misrepresentations or otherwise participated in, in, in it, they, they can definitely have their citizenship revoked. Uh, Larry Klayman was trying to get Ilhan Omar's um, yeah, oh, yeah. she should definitely revoked. be revoked. But nullifying is a different thing. In other words, you're nullifying something that was, that was mistakenly done that never should have been done, and it put, we correct it. So I, I, call it, I call it correction. I don't call it nullify. But it's just interesting that the British had the same exact thing. And, so, and here's the problem, too. All these 5 million illegal, 10 million illegals that are coming in, a lot of them are going to have kids. Those kids are going to be mistakenly mm-hmm. considered U.S. citizens. So the problem with the illegals is not just the illegals themselves, it's all the kids are going to have and all the subsequent generations. Right. So what we need to do is correct yeah. the citizenship on all those folks to put them back to the country of their, of their parents. But we need to go back as far as the computer records allow us to go, five years, 10 years, 20 years, I don't know. I don't know how good the computers are. But we need to nullify and correct all these so-called birthrights all the way back as far as we can. That's how we get ourselves a country right. free of illegal aliens. And they need a civil asset forfeit. To, now, the folks that have been here, that they thought they had citizenship, do I blame them? No, that's not their fault. But we still have to correct it for everybody else that, that we can't allow this to go on, and we can't give them a privilege and then deny it to other people. So we have to correct the citizenship of them. Can they stay? Probably. You know, would their status change? Absolutely. Uh, would they be able to give birth to Americans? No. <laughs> not until they applied legally to become Americans. You know, so it would be a huge paperwork change. Um, I don't know how many people you actually change, but but as far as we could with illegal aliens, yeah. <laughs> so once we correct the citizenship, those folks actually do become illegals. So that's an interesting thing. It's gonna be it's gonna be a huge battle. But the biggest thing to do is asset forfeiture on every illegal alien back as far as you can, and say I don't care how long you've been here. That's not my problem. I you came here that. illegally. You stayed illegally. You made the decision to be here illegally every day. We're gonna seize all your stuff, make it impossible for you to live here, and see you later. You know that's how you do it. I don't understand how come Americans can't figure that out. You see that being played out with this Brittany Griner, who obviously broke a law in Russia, but Americans mm-hmm. say, oh, she just had a little bit of substance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Amen. this type of logic that these people use that gets us deeper and deeper and deeper into mm-hmm. an abyss where sooner or later there won't be no turning around. You'd be been yeah. so far. Well, let's ask Jonathan the bigger question, you know, of, of using emotions and wishful thinking to try and create laws. Like the, the poem on the Statue of Liberty, which I've actually written a replacement for that I think is a lot better. You know, give us your tired, your, your hunger, your huddled masses yearning to be free. I said, that's fine, but that's not, that's not immigration policy. That's just wishful thinking. 
That's not a policy. You know, that uh, the people mm-hmm. can be born here of criminals, illegal aliens, tourists and things like that and be American citizens. That's wishful thinking. It's not legal. And so these people in a, in a huge way try and convince, you know, it's like, you know, it, oh, the, oh, the, the left is always saying, well, that's not our values. Well, we're not a country of values. We're a country of laws. You can have whatever values you want and everybody can have different values. That's fine. You know, my values are honesty, integrity, you know, pride in my country and all kinds of things. Those are my values. You know, do I impose them on everybody else? No, but I want to create a legal system where we're all free. So in the same way, these people cannot simply state their values and have that be interpreted as laws. You know, that just because they want millions upon millions of people here does not make it a legal policy, does not make it legal, does not make it lawful. You know, and to prey on the emotions of Americans saying our values are that, you know, we welcome everybody. No, we don't. <laughs> That's not the law. Right. So, so Jonathan, how do we resolve, how do we get out of this, you know, wishful thinking is not laws dilemma? Well, we need to, I mean, we, we need to educate people first. I mean, you know, um, I mean, sadly, I have to say that I think, I think, um, oh my God, Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Germany loses pressure overnight. Russia just shut down. Just shut down um, um, oil to, See, to Germany. Putin knows um, how to play the game. Putin knows how to use power. You know, I mean, do I think he uses it wrongly? Of course I do, but that's not the point. You know, he knows how to use power. Right. We don't Trump. Well, it's not hard. Knew it's how not, to use it's not hard because we're stupid. Well, yeah, but, um, Trump used, but Trump knew how to use power, and the stupidity was getting rid anyway, of Anyway, so, so the but thing is, ahead, is we, we need to – Yeah, first, okay, go ahead. First of all, I think that – I think that um, – I'm sad to say to people who love sports, but I think that America's obsession with sports has destroyed the family, destroyed this country. It's an mm. idol and, and it's a, and it's a drug. Now I don't mean people can't watch sports. I'm just, I'm saying the obsession with it yep. is, um, is, is, is like uh, you know, crack cocaine to our, to our society. Um, so people have to care and most people don't care. <clears throat> they have to know, they have to understand. I mean, nobody's going to change something that they don't know is a problem. Yeah. And, 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 nobody, and nobody's going to change something if they don't care. So, um, I mean, the thing is that there, there are plenty of opportunities to, um, to fix this stuff. And that's why people yeah. say, oh, um, you know, it, we, have to, we have to take up arms. We have to have a revolution. No, like that. Like, we don't. You know, it can yeah. come to that, but the idea that we've tried, we have not tried. You know, I'm sorry. We have not, we, we have not learned the tools of, of, of political engagement. We have not, you know, o- only a few people have tried. Most people are home watching, watching TV. Um, we cannot say that we've tried everything because we haven't. Um, so it's really, I think it's really not that hard to fix these things if, if people educate themselves and they, and they care. Well, we do that on the so, show every day. Yeah, you, know, you look at, look at our bills and, and you talk about things that uh, people don't care. Either they don't care or they don't know it's a problem. There's a third thing too. They don't know what the possibilities are. So when we, we have this bill that's a, that's a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money, that has not occurred to 99.99% of this population, that we can solve you know, almost all of our economic problems by simply taking away the power of Congress to borrow money. Now, is that going to affect the average yeah, so individual? Anyway, so, yeah, so anyway, I mean, the thing good, is, is like, but it's really going to affect pro- Congress. The, the, the first yeah. step, uh-huh. it's like, how, how do you, okay, Greg, how do you get your cousin who's, who's a chronic drunk to stop mm-hmm. drinking? 
with a better they have alternative. to come to that moment. When he dies, right. he'll stop. When he dies, he'll stop automatically. Same thing with George Floyd. They should just left him in the car where he's going to smoke himself to death. He's pretty much close to that anyway. No, he's, right. he's still there, though. But he's going to have followers. He's going to have – he's already trained his replacements. That's, that's not a – you know, waiting for someone to die. You know, it's like waiting for Biden to get out of office and all of a sudden the policies will change. The policies are not going to change um, because both yeah. the Democrats so, so and the Republicans I mean, so, want these policies. You know, we are – Yeah. Jonathan. We are drug addicts of everything that's wrong with mm-hmm. our country. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, can you – it's like you hear about people who say, that, like, they've stopped smoking. One day – I think my father, you know, would, would say that one day he just – he just puts the cigarettes down and never, never smoked another cigarette. Mm-hmm. Okay. And no, I'm not saying that's easy. Of course, it's not. Hold on, easy. hold on, hold on, but, Go ahead, Jonathan. Oh, is, I thought. Okay. Um, no, but that's I mean, you, I mean, it's just the pro- that the overwhelming problem is that is that we have not decided, you know, to kick the habit as a mm-hmm. society. But again, we, we would prefer people insan- know what's possible. Insanity. Well, you know, we, we're redefining what's, poss- what's possible here. I mean, let me get to Pianchi's point, That's first of all. I don't want to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. So, Pianchi, go ahead well, uh, with your point. You know, we can write laws, but will they be enforced? you got FBI showing up, not producing a warrant, and going in people's homes, taking out materials. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do we know that they're legally doing They Your laws have to be enforced. Then I'm with Jonathan. You know, you can put a fox, you can corner that fox, but at some point in time, he would fight you viciously because you stand between him and what he considered to be freedom. Mm-hmm. It may result to armed conflict, but that would be the ultimate thing. When you take enough from a person, they say, hell no, I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and see, this is, this is the whole thing that we don't know about Action Radio because we are giving people possibilities they've never considered because they, they're still waiting for Congress to do the right thing and write the right bills. And I, I figured out a long time ago Congress is never going to write the right bills. We have to. This is why I started this whole thing eight years ago, but I knew years and years before that, you know, when I was writing ballot initiatives for California and some other things, I knew a long time ago that the only way we're going to get decent laws is for us to write them ourselves, and that's going to take millions of people not to write them but to support them. And so if the people support the laws before they get to Congress – see, this is what we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what media is going to support us. We don't know – I mean, I think the key to it is Trump. I think we have four years from 24 to 28 with Trump to do the most – good that we can for our country. And after that, I'm not sure what's going to happen. It'd probably be like, you know, Reagan's eight years and then he had Bush and it gradually went downhill. So whatever we can do with Trump to, it's like the founding. The founding was great. And then it gradually, you know, went into anarchy and, and uh, problems. Um, you know, it's like the Marbury versus Madison destroyed everything as far as the judiciary goes. And yet that's never been corrected. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse as the years go by. But we need to do something that offers possibilities. See, no one's ever said to people, you know, we can write a bill that puts vaccine product liability on big pharma. Oh, we can? Yeah, we can. It's already done. You know, as, as John Cullen on our Thursday panel says, the work is done. It's brilliant, brilliant thing he does, you know, when he, when he puts our bills and tweets them out around the world. And we got people, he's getting a lot of response to the vaccine bill and our big tech bill. People think, well, Congress has to do it. They have to have antitrust. They have to have regulations. No, they don't. We fixed it in three lines. It's done. The work is done. So what we really need is a marketing budget. What we really need is to get out there. We need some really big people to tell people that this possibility exists. So to answer Jonathan's point earlier, 
between ballots, which is the vote, and bullets, which is civil war, people think those are the only two alternatives, and it's simply not true. We're providing a third alternative here. We're providing a means by which anybody can write a bill and have that go ultimately to be signed into law. Well, that's never been done anywhere in the world. But we have to educate mm-hmm. a lot of people, and I mean millions of people. So we need millions of people listening to the show, millions of people sharing the show, and millions of people, you know, not the ones that are watching sports all the time and doing everything else. You know, you're never going to get that. But we need that critical mass. And I'm not sure what that critical mass is, but we need enough people to start saying, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to share that bill. Just that simple act of sharing a bill. You don't have to go to a convention. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do well, that. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to join an organization. Well, you know, that's all you have to do, and new possibilities open up. The thing is, is that you, um, you know, compare, well, I, I don't know everybody's, you know, when everybody got on this train, but, mm-hmm. you know, my mother was in Eagle Forum in the 70s. I was not necessarily right. politically active then, but I watched, and, and she wasn't that active, but, 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 there was, but it was enough. You know, they, they were trying to do things back, uh, you know, Phyllis Schlafly in the 70s and, and 80s, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, they were, they were voices crying in the wilderness. If people remember more recently, the um, mm-hmm. which is intense and powerful, that compared to the mega movement, it was tiny. Yep. You know, it was it was it was a necessary issue, but com- you know, compare that to, to what's going on. I mean, I mean, the idea of of having boat parades and and <laughs> you know and all these things like that was unheard of in the Tea Party time. We have yeah. expanded. That's true. I mean, I mean. To some extent, to some extent, we have to realize that we are moving in the right direction, even though the even though the country, you know, I think God is allowing allowing to separate the sheep from the goats. Mm-hmm. Um, like what you were saying earlier, they had that's why they had to destroy Trump, and and but in order to dest- in order to do that, they had to come out of the shadows. They had to, you know, it, it's like it's like a sniper fire. They had to expose their positions. Hmm. And and we you know they they had to destroy Trump at all costs, but they but at the cost of of losing all of their cover and, and losing all of their disguises and camouflage. But we are we are we the numbers of people who are who are now in, involved is like a hundred times more than it's ever been in mm-hmm. in in recent history. All those people who've just finally woken up and and decided to get involved, you know they they they're not trained. You know, the, 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 the sheer numbers of reinforcements is really gigantic. Yeah, but they don't have to be. Compared to For our purpose, they don't have to be. All they have to do is share shows and share bills. All it takes is if you can copy a link to a website, you know, for a show or a bill, that's all that most people have to do to, to have our peaceful revolution work. Well, now, at the, bills the beginning, be, but the thing is they, they yeah. do need to understand that it's not hopeless. They need to understand that there are ways to win. You know, they, they need to understand, you know, that... Um, you know, it's not well, we time to, you know, grab your yeah, we, gun. We, we need to point, put some points on the board. We need to get a couple of bills passed. You know, I think vaccine product liability and ending big tech censorship are probably the two most likely. Those are very possible, mm-hmm. very popular, very simple bills. Anybody can understand them. You know, they're only one, maybe one, maybe two pages. You know, and they're, they're, you know, and they're extremely popular right now with all kinds of folks from our doctor's panel 
uh, John Cullen, the, the data guy that made the COVID map for Johns Hopkins, he's tweeted out, he's getting Australian Canada, like I'm getting, we're getting a big increase. In fact, uh, I want to tell our folks internationally, we have a Skype line and we also have a live chat. You can type in on the live chat from anywhere in the world during our live broadcast. You can call us on the Skype line. I just have to approve your account and then you're, then you're okay to go for the next day uh, to, to call in on the Skype line. Skype line is live every time I'm on the air. Works anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. you know. So we're going to build this access. We're going to build things like you wouldn't believe. But people, we need some points on the board. We need some really big, really big people. Ultimately, what I want to do, I want uh, Donald Trump on the show because ultimately, I'd like to join Action Radio with the MAGA movement, so that they have the millions of people and we have the ideas, and we combine our <laughs> ideas with their millions of people. Um, because and I was thinking about this the other day too. Does anybody have any ideas? In, in the Republican Party? And the answer is no. They don't have anything new. Look at Kevin McCarthy, you know, what I'm calling the metrosexual speaker. You know, you look at him, and he's quaffed. You know, he's got the image, but he doesn't say anything. That commitment with America is, is useless. It's a bunch of fluffy talking points compared with Gingrich's contract with America. That had some real substance to it. So, well, that's, that's the other thing, too, is we have tried to do everything mm-hmm. carrying, you know, this dead weight on our back. Yeah. You know, because... It used to be that most of the Republicans were Liz Cheney and, and, and Kevin McCarthy. And they'll say the right things, but we all know it's, it's, it's bogus. And that's one of the reasons why people won't do anything is because they'll say, you know, they're, they're so tired of being lied to. They're so tired of Republicans who will, like Lindsey, you know, Lindsey Graham or who is the person who, um, you know, they'll talk tough right before the election. And then they'll go back to, you know, and then they'll go back to voting. Well, that's, for that's Democrats almost all of Congress. <laughs> that's almost yeah. all of Congress, the, the but, transgender but, Democrats. But, yeah. but we, yeah. you know, but we have to, you know, we have to, we have to educate people that there have been at least, there have been at least two Republican parties since at least 1964. Yeah. So when, you know, they, they, when they fight, you know, the Rockefeller Republicans, we, you know, which is literally running under Rockefeller, versus um I always have a mental block on his name. Uh the uh Barry Goldwater. libertarian from Barry Goldwater. I mean now Barry Goldwater was not the perfect conservative, but he was a leader of the grassroots revolt against mm-hmm. the establishment. So, yeah. you know, we have to educate people that when you look at the Republican Party, no, those are not Republicans. Those make me want to vomit. Um and until we kick them out of the the balloon gondolier um, we, we cannot, you know, we cannot win. We're carrying those, the dead weight around on our back. See, know, this those, is why we're the wild card. Like this is why we're the wild card. See, and I got Dorothy on the line. I'm going to get to her in just a second. But the wild card right. is us because uh, I just want to leave with this one last point, that we're the wild card because whereas now everything, the only time people really have a voice is during elections. So if the Democrats and the Republicans control the elections like they did last time and put a fraud government in, they think that's it. As long as they can control the elections, they can control the people. And what we're saying is, no, we're going to give our consent to be governed every day, not just on election day, by writing the laws that we consent to be governed by. They don't know how to deal with us yet. In fact, even our supporters don't know how to deal with us. Uh, but that's what we need yeah, to do. Yeah, they, they can't. Yeah, they, they, they you know, the, the, the lions have gotten out of the zoo cage and they can't put them back. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're out now. You know, better, better yet, it's like, it's like yeah. Jurassic Park. You know, the, the dinosaurs are out of their, out of their pens with the electricity, mm-hmm. and they, there's nothing they can do to put, you know, we're going to eat them. Um, yeah. and, but, um, but it's like, um, that, that's, I mean, listen to the way they talk about Trump. 
Mm-hmm. And the way, you know, it's like you've said, I think, and other people said, it's, you know, they, they're telling us what they're afraid of. Yeah. You know, they, they, keep, they keep trying to portray the Trump uh, Republicans as um, limited to our worship of an idol. And, and they think that if they can destroy Trump, somehow, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll lie down and behave. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, not now. You know, it's like if, if Trump had never been born, we would still be coming for them. And and they just they, they I think they I think they kind of know it, but they don't. But they talk about everything as being Trump's fault. It's like no, Trump is our champion. He's not mm-hmm. our reason. Yeah. You know, we we don't believe that's, that's what we good. do. He's not the reason yeah. we believe what we believe. He's just like in the old traditional, mil, you know, ancient warfare sense that they pick a champion to fight for them. Yeah. But you know, he's not the reason we believe what we believe. He's not the reason we're doing what we're doing. He's, he's just, Spartacus. You know, <laughs> he's a Spartacus, yeah, but with the That's an excellent yeah. point. Yeah, that's yeah. an excellent point. Okay, well let's let's leave it here, gentlemen. And uh, any news you have for us, Jonathan, right. before you switch over to Dorothy, and then uh, Chris, you're always welcome to stay. Oh, I but, well, uh, maybe we'll do it next week. From observations, I think there was a. We, we, we think the space force is at war above orbit. From the observations I've heard. So we'll keep Ooh. that to next week. Well, I um, need to get a national security yeah, there, report. I, I really miss uh, Peter Pry, you know, now that he's passed on, you know, and because uh, he'd be the perfect yeah. person to ask about that. So I got to find. Uh, I'm trying to get to the Center for Security Policy. That well, the, the thing the, is, all the links to they're it, never going to tell us. So yeah, they're, they're never going to uh, tell us. So it's just an yeah. interesting thing. And we talk to you yeah, later. We'll, we'll talk okay, to you thanks, Jonathan. Take care. Okay, bye. Goodbye now. All right. Woo. Let me uh, just play a couple of things so we can take a breath, and uh, this will be about uh, a minute long. And then we'll just talk about my show a little bit here, and then we can sort of decompress and, and totally change topics, which is what makes it so much fun to be here. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Okay, so just to uh, make a, a, uh, an announcement for something that happened last week that's never happening again, we had two obscene calls. We are not going to tolerate that kind of nonsense again. So unless you're known to me as a caller and I have you on my list, uh, you're on Dorothy's guest list, or you sign in and really present something you know, pretty good at, the, at our live chat, which I, I probably won't take anyway, you're not getting on the show. Okay, we're not going to put up with that kind of nonsense ever again. So just that, on that happy note... <laughs> Bring back Dorothy, Diana, and let's uh, let's talk. What's uh, what's been on your mind? What are you folks talking about? What's what's come out of your workshops? What's uh, what news of of new cafes and dining places and social interactions and everything else that's uh, that's going on in your world? Welcome back. How you doing? 
I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Um, so, yeah, this week has been a really interesting week. I thought a lot about your reflection on the post about what what brings the holy uh, out in women. How does a woman get in touch with her holy? And your, your response was about the masculine. So I put some thought into that. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, let's talk about that. Let's talk sure. about, you know, we're raising the divine feminine. This is a big part of my work with women. But I always say that we cannot raise the feminine without raising the masculine and vice versa. So they need, they need each other. They're yin and yang. They balance each other. And if one is weak, the other is weak. So I but focus tendency, more on women, though, not on men, but I'm, I'm very interested yeah. in, in the divine masculine. Mm-hmm. But men don't want to – I don't know if men want to think of themselves as divine, but I just think just the masculine, you know, the fact that we are the other half. We are the, the, the yang or the yin. You know, you can't have – I mean, the best of feminine comes out with masculine. The best of masculine comes out with feminine. There is, there is a, a balance there that, um, that I think is, is huge. You know, and, in fact, look at the discussions on the show. It would be interesting just to uh, – if I go over the show sometimes. So, so uh, Jonathan Pianchi and I were talking in the previous hour. Very intense legal discussion, very technical, very, uh, you know, goal-oriented, very pretty much a masculine discussion. You look at the conversations we have, um, it's, it's totally different. You know, much more emotion, much more spiritual, much more feeling. And I see that as all sides of masculine. I don't, I don't distinguish between those. I don't make a difference between those. But I think that the, the, that particular side of masculinity is denied everywhere. And so the reason that I am so uh, aggressively quick to point out whenever I see, you know, the feminine being talked about in ways that are really wonderful, and nothing wrong with it being talked about wonderfully, but I know that the equivalent is not there for guys. I know that the, the spiritual that is, aspect, uh, and, you know, and and that it's is just not there. And that's the responsibility of, of people who are called to that masculine okay. energy, or I guess it could be feminine, but we need, we need the masculine energies to, mm-hmm. to feel the calling and, and promote groups and research and study oh, and support. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm ha- I have my calling, and mm-hmm. my calling, I'll be honest, a huge part of it is honoring the divine masculine and learning, sort of teaching and guiding women. Oh, that's all I'm talking to you. How, yeah. how I mean, to, once, you once they... Once they rediscover their own feminine energy and sink into it and learn to love it, I mean, it's so pleasurable, then now reflect on the partner in your life, and, and it sort of naturally happens, this, this mm-hmm. deepening of respect and honor for what he provides his masculine energy. And if he's not providing that, there might be a shift in the relationship at that point. But if he has that to offer and she hasn't in the past acknowledged it, respected it, um, allowed him to come into his own in the relationship, right? Because of her behaviors Mm -hmm. and her taking over his role or whatever. Um, You'll see this beautiful shift. So, so my gift is more for her yet. I love to give lip service to the divine masculine. And I want to say the reason they call it divine masculine. So I'm going to say, you can call it just masculine energy if you want, but the reason is is because it is. So for me, I'm very spiritual in, in my focus and and my, my work. And it is the manifestation of the male or father energy that that is, um, that is present. So if you have a spiritual practice and you have a um, male, a male energy, you seek, you call on, Mm-hmm. Um, spiritually, the essence of that on earth, it, it's not just 3D, you know, working and uh, protecting and money. Um, there's a, a spiritual aspect 
to it, especially coming out in sexuality and intimacy. So that's why I call it divine masculine hmm. versus just masculine energy. But either okay. one is fine. No, mm-hmm. I'm just and I'm just playing with ideas and titles here. But it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, that I think, you know, one of the fascinating things about watching uh, anything on men's rights is it's usually a video done by women. And then the women will say themselves that the reason that the women do the videos for men's rights is because men aren't listened to. Men aren't listened to in this area at all. And it's really quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, women don't listen to men when it comes to, you know, validating our feelings. They don't. I've been told myself, those aren't your true feelings. I was like, well, who the hell are you to say that to me? Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. I'm not lying. You know? And so, so in other words, women are raised to believe that guys don't have the same level of feelings, don't have the same level of spirituality, don't have the same value when it comes to you know, things like that and judging. And women really think they're in control of relationships. And I think that's one of the big problems we need to talk about is that women are being raised by the society. Masculinity is bad. You know, men don't really count. All they want to do is watch uh, football and drink beer and, uh, you know, have wild sex with you. And then they don't care. Denial of, of the, the side of our humanity that would make us get along better. That's my mission. Okay. This, is what, this is what I'm I trying to I love that. Yeah. On that. On that note, on that note, I do believe that now – in a typical male brain and female brain. And again, there's a lot of spectrum in between. So we have people born all different ways. Not everyone is fully masculine or feminine. We have a lot of, so that being said, but I do believe that the masculine brain is different than the feminine brain. And that, and that's based on XY chromosome, XX chromosome. And a lot of, um, there are, there are physiological differences in the two, those two genders not saying there aren't more genders, but in those two genders, there are different. I am. Different. There's only two genders. And the, <laughs> On this the show, thinking and feeling, <laughs> well, two, yeah, yeah, and we don't talk about that this show, but, you know, um, and in fact, I had a woman, a client last night who came mm-hmm. to me and said, I'm gender fluid, but I'm trying to, I've, I've really ignored my feminine. And I, it's, I'm noticing in my life, it's not causing it. It's bringing me a lack uh, of joy. Spiritually I, or physically? So I've suppressed my feminine energy fluid. so much that I, I'm having yeah. issues in relationships. So, huh. so she desires to get back into her feminine energy, and I love that because I can help her with that. But what I'm saying is the masculine energy tends to be more thinking and logical, and the uh-huh. feminine tends to be more feeling, intuiting. So that being said, nobody in a relationship should say, you don't know how you feel, I do. But that being said, if you have a truly masculine man prior to the age of 45, 50, where the masculine brain tends to start to feminize a little bit and the feminine tends to Ooh, physically minute. become a little more masculine. So prior to that age, we're going like, you know, the hot dating age is, you know, 20, 30, where we're all wrapped up in our hormones. And um, the masculine brain does tend to have a difficult time thinking and feeling at the same time. So um, although a woman can Which means women have trouble thoughts, thinking and feeling at the same so time. So we're going to talk about that. So a woman will <laughs> generally, and I'm not saying all women, this is, this is a feminine, again, there's a spectrum, right. but the feminine brain tends to feel her way through situations and then decide how she thinks about them. Mm-hmm. And the masculine brain tends to have thoughts and sometimes have a difficulty associating it with a feeling and has to sort of separate those two things. Wait, 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 Stop right yeah. there. It's interesting you said that mm-hmm. the feminine brain feels her way through and then decides how she thinks about it. The masculine brain thinks his way and then has difficulty. So you've already criticized. Did you hear yourself? It was fascinating the way you did that. In other words, the masculine has a problem with his processes, but the feminine mm. doesn't. Did you notice that? Okay, so... Pardon the that words. Was, no, no, it's not, no. Actually, no. That so is that not is has, what you did was you perfectly. 
That's okay. Has but a you challenge. illustrated my point. And I don't. Yeah, but I'm, just, I'm not even. And here we go. I'm not even. I'm sure not picking on you. Necessary. I don't, yeah, I don't really care. It's fine. Yeah, but, but but we it's we have to give each other grace here. Also, we have to give each other uh-huh. grace. So. Oh no, I'm not criticizing. So we can say I the think, feminine brain what you did can have a is, challenge yeah. putting the feelings into thoughts, mm-hmm. and the masculine brain can have a challenge. But again, I don't even know that these are challenges, Greg. I mean, we're going to get crazy here and say, <laughs> do I? Yes, at some Go point ahead. in an intimate relationship, I would like my man to be able to acknowledge his feelings. But I love the thinking. I love that my man doesn't get carried away in his emotions and feelings and can really kind of summarize and say, okay, I think this is what's happening here. Let me, let me give a logical rundown of the situation. I mean, that's a, that's a huge benefit. We will get nowhere in the physical world if one of the partners cannot do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not even considering it really a challenge um, because he is able to do that. He's absolutely able to get in touch with his feelings, but not mm-hmm. exactly at the same time. So her expectation that in a conversation he's, he's right. really fluctuating back and forth between his thoughts and his feelings is a ridiculous expectation, and it doesn't serve either of them well. And it's not even necessary. So no, I just think I guess that's I what I'm saying because I, I do listen to everything you say, literally everything you say. But it was fascinating, just the the, the idea. Uh, and I think that what you said was perfectly natural, perfectly normal. I think culturally, uh, education wise, that makes absolute sense to say exactly what you said. That's why I pointed it out. And it's not it's okay, not a criticism so, I, of you. Yeah. It's just, but it's the fact that this is the way the world looks, and it's exactly what I said, that women are looked at as being able to go from feeling to thinking, and men, you know, because they think and the way they think, have difficulty being in touch with their feelings. So in other words, men have difficulty making a transition that women can do, even though it's the opposite mm-hmm. transition from thinking to feeling. So and that's talking, my criticism. And, and it, mm-hmm. Right. So the focus See, I don't think men have that problem. You know, and men and certain men can use that. But here's the other thing I think too. This really we should talk about too. Mm-hmm. The idea that thinking and feeling aren't intimately related and you know go perfectly together like DNA strands. I don't think you can have one without right. the other. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in other words, I you know, but now there might be a preponderance one way. I may think and then you know decide how I feel about something. A woman may feel you know a certain way and then decide how she thinks about it. That actually makes a lot of sense. But the thing is, you, mm-hmm. you have to do both. You can't separate those two. And what, you know, men and women bring to a, a relationship and as they're talking and the, the woman might be feeling something first, and the man might be thinking something first, and then that switches around. But the beauty of that is they're both doing both. And how they balance that out is what makes the relationship interesting. Mm-hmm. He said, so if, yeah, yeah, well, okay. so, and if we're talking about, I mean, if we're talking about increasing this wonderful masculine energy and promoting again promoting the typical strength mm. that the masculine I'm brings to the table i'm just saying it's just as valid i'm not increasing i'm just mm-hmm. saying it's just as valid that's my point yes just as yes essential yes both mm-hmm. are essential mhm agreed yeah so do we <laughs> Okay. That's okay. Do, no, that's fine. So but you see, do we, this is why do we I love want to give a rundown of the masculine traits that we're talking about? Like what, what, meet, what is, what it, or the masculine traits versus the feminine traits? No, I've, I want to go back to what happens at 45, that we switch from mm. the, the men become more feminine and women become more masculine. That was fascinating. 
Can, can you expand mm-hmm. a little well, on that? Well, that tends to happen. And again, I'm, I'm never saying all or nothing. This is generalization. Oh, no, so oh, women, the hormones begin to change. So women enter perimenopause, estrogen mm-hmm. starts to decrease. You know, we've heard about vaginal dryness and the challenges with that. There's a lot oh. of positives that go along with that for women, as well as some things that are viewed as negative, right? Oh. And uh, so the, the, both, both genders the hormones begin to balance a little. So you'll have less testosterone in men, which can cause them some, some fears and some challenges. And there's ways to avoid that testosterone decrease. And then for women, the estrogen decrease and the testosterone increase. So both become a little more androgynous, both uh, the way they think, feel, and, and the bodies become a little more, I, I'm not saying that, that it, you know, obviously the bodies stay looking the same essentially, but um, physically and uh hormonally become more androgynous and when that happens those shifts may be welcome in relationships and they may cause some challenges right Hmm. yeah so so i think to be prepared for that that possible shift and then to have a plan of action going going into it whether you want to embrace it and expect your roles to change a little bit to sort of balance out a little bit Hmm. Or, um, well, or for men to keep their testosterone levels high and to do those things that, that keep them high if that feels good okay, to them. Let's, I mean, let's it, go over those real quick just so the guys know. Mm-hmm. What a waste. What, how can we keep our testosterone high? He said with a deep voice. <laughs> well, so we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on both uh, physical and, and spiritual because that's what I do. So okay. um, lifting weights right? Building the body, testosterone levels are boosted. You feel more aggressive, feel more full of life. Um, I'm going to just say looks a little more masculine. Can I, I mean, I'm, that's my perspective. Looks oh, that's a little fine. more intimidating. Who, who um, is that? It's psychological. It's that, uh, proven by psychology that a man that is muscular, a man that I'm going to be, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. It's been proven by studies that men that are bald, bald with facial hair and muscular command more respect from men and women. Oh, that's interesting. Crazy, right? Yeah, we always. Yeah, talk I, about I got a ton hair. of hair on my head, and I'm, I'm sort of dorky looking. I'm, I'm the the nerd warrior. Maybe <laughs> I should uh, stick to radio. No, you said that, was it last week or the week before that women are attracted to men with with big chests. You know that a that a masculine you know guy you know weightlifting <laughs> guy <clears throat> makes a difference. Oh, did your voice change when I said that? Oh, did you hear that? that well, laugh? That well, Greg, I, I don't yes, know ma'am. if I said they're attracted to big chests. I said that the areas they notice first on men. Um, we were going over the areas they noticed first. So chest. I'm going to assume it's a well-sculpted chest, not a flabby um, man-breasted chest. But I, you know, everyone has their own taste. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah. So, so the chest, yeah. the chest and the butt. Yeah, I believe it's what. So yeah. So pumping iron, getting getting muscular, uh, also mm-hmm. teaches discipline, which is a masculine trait, and and that goes into other areas of life. So once you develop physical discipline, a daily routine that doesn't feel good, but you do it because it's good for you. It permeates into other issues, library masculine. Um, hmm. Now, this is this is um, this is a little debatable, and I love Dr. Tommy John, and, and he cracks me up. But he has a, such a huge following; he's such a huge force for health in the kind of spiritual health community. But he advocates hmm. red meat, liver, organ meats. Um, there's a big debate in the health community: is vegetarian and low meat, low red meat healthier, or is um, a diet high in, in red meats and uh, vegetables with almost no carbs, you know, so, but, but eating red meat does, um, increase certain, uh, hormone levels it first. And, Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's been shown to increase testosterone, a oh, lot of uh, nutrients you need for a healthy body. 
So again, if you've done your own research out there on, on nutrition and you're not on the side of that, go with it. I'm not telling you, but there's been a lot of research. That'd be interesting. Do we have any uh, male, mm. male vegan bodybuilders just out of curiosity? Yeah, the, vegan, the male vegan body doesn't tend to look, in my opinion, like a typically masculine body. Now, you'll have lean, some lean muscles. You'll have, you know, um, more of a thin. I, I feel like it's a challenge for the, and again, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. From what I've seen, I have Not on my show. Friends. You can say whatever okay. you want. I don't care. I want to hear it. I think it's I want your most outrageous and I opinions. love I love the spiritual reasons vegans do it. I think it comes from a place in compassion and kindness usually. Unfortunately, but, the vegan diet tends to be full of chemicals and additives, something I've been against for many, many years. Oh, that's interesting. Um, mm, yeah. Go, go to the store well, and look at for the guys. vegan products available and look at what's in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Soy, I mean, the guys, soy, there's soy, too much soy. plant estrogen. There's too many things that uh, make guys metrosexual. So it, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Probably affects guys more than women. Now you can actually be vegan and also be clean and non-GMO. You can do that. It's a lot. It's more effort, but it can be done. But I, I I don't believe it's natural because I think, I I think if we were back in caveman times for two million years of evolution or however many years you believe we've been on the earth, if we found eggs, we would eat eggs. If we found honey, we'd eat honey. We would never turn those things down. So the vegan diet eliminates some things that I think are obviously not cruel, and um, we would definitely eat. So I feel like it's not. It's part of our natural sort of. Um, evolved makeup to eat. To not, I don't think vegan is, could ever be considered a natural way to be. Um, compassionate, yes. You know, I don't know. Well, what's, what's, uh, what's compassionate about ripping poor helpless plants out of the ground when they can't get away? They live and too. And that's a very good point, Greg. You might be tongue-in-cheek here, but I believe trees I'm not being tongue-in-cheek. energy. Yes. Um, hey, listen, if plants you believe that life is sacred. are alive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Agreed. In fact, we'll get our, our, our women of wellness, our Wednesday women of wellness, and then we talk about this all the time. But the spirituality of plants. Now, my yeah. philosophy being a spiritual, being the fact that this, the way the earth was created, the intelligent design that put this together, you know, pretty much everything eats everything else or eats something else. You know, animals eat plants, plants mm-hmm. eat animals sometimes mm-hmm. too. You know, you've got, you've got the situation. So the thing is, as, as the, the Native Americans, you know, the belief in the spirit, you know, it's okay to kill the deer if you honor the deer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not okay to kill the deer if you want to put its head on your, on your wall. Okay. So it's, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, and that's the, you know, are we raising uh, chickens to provide us with eggs and, uh, you know, making omelets? That's okay. Honor the chicken, honor the egg, you know, in the same well, way I that you honor the Native plants. Yeah. You know, so, so everything's alive. Agreed. I don't, I don't place a value. Uh, listen, when you see a redwood tree and, and you see, a, you know, yeah. a naked mole rat, there's a difference between animals and plants. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, but that, that's kind of a weird example. But the point is no, that I love it, vegans deny uh, the equality of plants. Try, try living without plants. This we're we're not going to be true. around very long. You know, this is why we go well, into the carbon and, cycle uh, and replacing no, carbon dioxide, putting carbon back in the plants. I'm sorry. Yeah, agreed. So, no, yep. no, I agree with you. I, I'm mm-hmm. a strong believer in tree energy, and um, mm-hmm. you can absolutely alchemize your emotions. You can go put your hands on a tree, and again, have you felt it out there? But have you can you put your hands on a tree. You can yeah, feel you its energy. It? You can communicate. Yes, I have, and I didn't okay. believe it until I did it. And I'm telling you, it's insane. <laughs> it works so I'm a tree well, hugger. and it's I the kind of thing. Hugging. It's yeah. the kind of thing you don't want to tell people until they know you well. But but um, there's a really good <laughs> on, on, um, I'm just going to. I'm just real. It works. Grounded, you ground your feet yeah. into the roots, and you yep. you put your hands on the tree. 
I mean, I've been in crisis in my life before emotional, and I've done this, and I, it's, like, it's like someone injected me. Like, it, it's so transformative. But you have to have an open heart. And the reason I'm going into this is because, yes, the plants have a real energy. And to assume mm-hmm. that they're not as alive and as conscious, they're conscious in a different way. And I think it is a mm-hmm. highly spiritual way. So I agree with you. It might be a great practice, and it probably is meditative eating. So when you take a bite of food, you imagine where it came from. You honor the bite of food. You're, let's say you're having, you know, uh, kale chips. And with Himalayan salt and olive oil. So I take a bite and I imagine the kale growing in the ground and all the rain and the sunshine it took and who picked it. And I imagine Mm -hmm. the olive oil coming from California or the Mediterranean and and the hours in the sunshine and the people who picked it and honoring Mm. the olive tree and the Himalayan salt. Where did it come from? Who harvested it? Thank you for the minerals. If you eat your food that way, plant or animal, Mm -hmm. it is incredibly uplifting and very healthy. You eat less. Um, the energy of the food gets alchemized in your body in a way that provides more nourishment. It's really mm-hmm. quite amazing. But speaking to what you're saying, that yes, I do believe the plants are, should be as honored as much as the animals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that point you're making. So back to red meat. Yes, does increase testosterone. If this is something you choose. You know, if this is something you choose, go for it. And, and go to Dr. Tommy John on Instagram because you're going to love him. And he has a lot to say okay. about that topic. Well, it's um, funny another because we have, um, yeah. mm-hmm. when Tina Terry's on, Tina's one of our, uh, our favorite folks around here. Tina's a, a carnivore. Uh, she's a yoga instructor. She's an English professor specializing, you know, I think she's retired now, specializing in Orwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's 75 or 76. Oh, wow. Getting now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, cool Tina's lady. But she's a carnivore. God. She's steak and butter and bacon and eggs. And, you know, she, she lives mostly on meat and she's doing really well. So, you know, uh, so this, I mean, this I gotta mythology, get you, I gotta get you two together. Did, yeah. And I agree in this mythology that it causes heart disease, I think, is just that a mythology. I think there's a genetic difference in how we process foods, a little bit of that component, Mm -hmm. but mostly it's the additives and the chemicals and how we're raised when we Mm -hmm. eat it. So there's a huge amount of study on what foods you eat together at the same time. So mixing certain foods at the same meal, a big no-no. That's a great body of research and worth looking into. But I'm, huh. yeah, be curious to hear hear more about her take on on that also. Well, we got to get into food and spirituality. We we got to. We've got to cross these over, you know, somehow to, mm-hmm. I think I stepped on you, I'm sorry, uh, but cross over the idea of, of spirituality and food and, and masculinity and femininity, you know, and this sort yeah. of be interesting, you know, let, let, let's put it together, feeding your soul, literally feeding your mm-hmm. soul, you know, there's some interesting crossovers here that we can explore. What would you say about butter eating, before? I, and that's, and it, well, oh. butter, butter's great. Whenever someone says, oh, I don't want to eat, no, eat butter. Butter's so good for you. Oh, um, you know, a stick of butter a day, maybe not, but everything in moderation. And, and we need mm-hmm. to fasten butter for our brain. We need to fasten avocados. Um, yeah, all, there's a lot of um, mythology from the medical industry about foods and what causes heart disease. And I think they're, they're sort of distracting well, us from what actually, sugar. What actually inflammation causes Inflammation and disease. sugar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar, causes stress. Heart disease. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Stress, chemicals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you Fact. be masculine or feminine if you're under stress? I mean, I think it depletes all of us in every way. I think it castrates and weakens all of us. I think it causes the feminine to be hysterical, overprotective, defensiveness, and step into her masculine because she doesn't feel safe. And I think it causes the masculine to go into the dark masculine energy or the weak masculine energy. And the dark energy, we all have shadow energy, right? Um, Anger, rage, depression, helplessness. So... I think I think there might be a component to our society are, um, that actually increases stress intentionally, uh, knowing this. Oh, you so, just described COVID. You just described the government mm, response yes, COVID. to COVID. Masks, yep. 
uh, lockdowns, isolation, closing the schools, closing the companies, mandating something that was completely unnecessary and and now considered, uh, I think, dangerous. You know, I mean, so so you you described it perfectly. So the government uses these things against us. Now, be interesting. They know. They know applied technology. They They learned it from the Nazis, from the Nazis in World War II who used it in genius ways to control a population and completely um, disempower them. And we took those strategies and we are, I think, been applying them for many years. We took the Nazis themselves. We we imported Nazis after World War II. You know, and I was making the comment earlier in the show that if you take Joe Biden's speech, you know, against the MAGA, the the MAGA Republicans, you know, he doesn't say make America great again, because if you ever said that, people go, these people want to make America great again? That's kind of cool. You know, places MAGA Republicans, just replace (laughs) Jews, you know, for MAGA Republicans and play the same speech. Yeah, it's really frightening. And the, and yeah, the, and it is. what's frightening is people don't recognize it. That's what's frightening. But government uses – well, government takes away – Well, this uh, is well, why social me, media is good because it gets passed yeah. around. I mean they, they, mm. social media was designed to control us and addict us, but it's had the reverse – it has it had a big reverse effect during the pandemic and that we're sharing ideas that way and that wasn't expected. But the V for Vendetta mm. memes went everywhere. The similarity between Biden's speech and the movie where they – Have you seen the, you know, have you seen the, the movie? Have you seen it? I've only seen clip, clips of it in a summer. No, nah, I can watch the whole thing. Now. Movies. It's one of the okay. greatest films ever made in, in terms of political independence uh, and political mm. thought. It's, it's fascinating. And it's applicable. There's one speech where he talks about, you know, what governments do, you know, when, they're feel, when they feel threatened. And it's, it's almost like a COVID blueprint. It's really scary. Uh, how accurate that film is. So yeah, and it's all about the strength of ideas, which is what we do here. But I got a question for you. Uh, this is sort of along the okay, same lines. Okay, but I also of, I do want to I do want to make sure we cover the, the ways to increase masculine energy because I think this topic's important. Well, and I think um, do feminine you know, too. I want to hear both. But yeah, I'm doing that. masculine today. I'm focusing on the masculine oh, okay. because I want Greg, Greg to be happy and feel like we're honoring the masculine. Oh no, 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 you don't have to. <laughs> oh, do you have to patronize the content? But I like no, absolutely it. not. No. I, oh, that's I fine like then. It. Okay. I, I if you want to honor me, that's different. Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> well, we'll honor your, your divine masculine energy and well, thank we'll you. ignore your dark shadow energy. <laughs> no, I want to hear about that, too. So, did you, did you um, have one more question, though, before we go to habit three? Uh, well, just the, the, it's interesting that I want to talk about this sometime, that the government has decided to uh, make so many genders that gender becomes meaningless. So there can't be masculine yeah. and feminine energy unless you have both masculine and feminine. And you start introducing all these, you know, variations of the week, you know, the, the, the gender du jour. Uh, it, it takes away from who we are. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think we should explore what is in it for the government to take away our identity in this fashion. Oh, yeah. Well, total control, because total control and decrease of humanity turning us all into robots. But I'll say this, it's having the opposite effect. The more we allow, now the pendulum always has to swing, right? But the more we allow um, everyone to explore their different energies with permission for a while, mm-hmm. with right. permission and encouragement, the more people really will come back into our, their authentic self and realize what brings true happiness. So when you force someone to do something, right, if you force all people who are born women into a certain role and you force people who are born men into a certain role after a while, um, you know, there's pushback, but now allowing everyone to explore all the different uh, ways to be, you know, I think you'll have humanity settle back into who they truly are realizing, realizing that for most people that works best for love, intimacy, raising children and having kind of a fulfilled life, but we mm-hmm. have to honor so. each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So doing martial arts. Back to you. Martial arts. Mm. Increasing masculine energy, getting towards your divine masculine. Martial arts, a great way to do that. Um, it teaches honor, discipline, commanding respect and honor from others. 
um, the ability to feel like you could kill someone if you have to. I'm just going to say. <laughs> There's no, so you, don't, you don't have to have a disclaimer. Um, now, think about that. Let's you have talk to about defend that. yourself that's or your family. You can do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that goes to firearms. That goes to, to other things, too. So, in other words, oh, if yeah. you, you can look at martial arts as, you know, I can go commit mayhem and murder, and I can, uh, you know, I can take my nunchucks out and beat a bunch of people in the subway before they get to me. Or you can say, I can protect my family. I've got firearms. I've got swords. I've got knives. Yep. I've got weapons. I've got my hands and feet. I've got uh, things that I can use to protect people. So, it's the same exact methodology and technology completely different attitude and spirituality and so this Agreed. is where this is where we make these we make these dis- distinctions on purpose tell me more about martial arts i've always been fascinated with martial arts i've tried <laughs> uh, uh some aikido some judo in my youth actually my, that was my dad's idea put me in i am class, not a martial arts expert eight years old but i do have but my I, you know, i have my yeah I was, and i tried Kampo, i'm not a martial arts was, expert I, but i have my oh. children in martial arts they'll always be okay. martial arts yeah, yeah, but all, my favorite was, my was, was Kung Fu because it was the most spiritual. It was probably the most useless for self-defense unless you were like a grandmaster, you know, multi-degree, oh. you know, black belt. But the study of Kung Fu I, thought, I found fascinating in terms of what you can do, what you can't do, uh, in terms of uh, flexibility and power and uh, the idea of, of uh, putting your, you know, your, your blocks and punches together in the same motion. You know, it was, it was amazing. Uh, one time we did this, this bridge. I'll never forget this. I was like 21. I was taking like four nights a week of Kung Fu. It was fabulous. Anyway, so we had to do this bridge position thing. You know, you put your hands and feet, you know, and you make your body yep. kind of like a U-shaped thing, right? You know yeah. how that works? We do yeah. that in yoga, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah, but does your instructor walk across your belly? I mean, I have never invited them to. I've never given consent for that, but I, I might. Mine did. <laughs> you know, my, did you my, give my consent? <laughs> no, we just walked across our bellies. Said, see, I see, I knew you could do it. Oh, thanks. That's <laughs> cool. Actually, I kind of cool. like it. Yeah, yeah, but so so that's that's, so that's what I loved about kung fu. That's something I would never have occurred to me in my wildest dreams to a bridge position and have some guy walk across my belly, and he's like, ah, here we go, because well, he had us close enough. We just we were like stepping stones. It was hysterical. But anyway, it's, it's like, like yep. an energy play. I love it when <laughs> when there's energy play in physical activity where you know so many classes you're on your own on your own mat, but every now hmm. and then someone will suggest you find a partner and do something, and I think that brings a whole other energy to. Um, any exercise class, and I kind of love it. We do it in my dance practice too. We do energy play with the advanced students. Hmm. It brings a whole, is, a whole other. Mm-hmm. Is yoga the feminine to martial arts masculine? Mm, isn't that interesting? I don't know the answer. Does it feel like it is? Maybe. I don't know. I've never taken yoga. <laughs> mm. It's very that. flowy. I mean, it, so yoga was sort of taken over. Yes, yoga was traditionally done by men. Yoga in, in India was traditionally a man's, uh, but I feel like it's become pretty feminine in, in the U.S., probably mm-hmm. because it's flowy and spiritual and it relies on the breath, and traditionally maybe it doesn't feel masculine to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I know some guys, in fact, we used to have a caller. One of our regular callers uh, from Philadelphia was a, a yoga instructor and a health guy, and he had all kinds of instincts. I haven't heard from him for a while, um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Brian, Bruce. Okay. One of those guys. Anyway, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know a very ma- – I mean, Brian Kest was – his wife was a friend of mine in Santa Monica. The children went to preschool together, and he invented power yoga. And he's a power What's yoga gu- guru. And power yoga, so uh, <laughs> yoga that's moving, and I, it moves a little faster, still on the breath usually, but it emphasizes uh, strength, um, more musculature versus – a gentle flow. So very difficult little, little positions. 
I don't know that he brings weights in. I've only taken his okay. class a couple times, but power yoga became just kind of a general term for yoga that moves a little faster, is a little more difficult, less, and I don't want to step on any toes by saying this, less emphasis maybe on the breath and more on postures and musculature and strength. And uh, so anyway, very masculine though, very masculine. Go ahead, practice. step on very toes. You're, you're, you're reaching uh, I, I need well, to be more aggressive, more masculine. Discussing power, power yoga versus other yoga. But, um, so okay. habit number four, to raise, raise the masculine energy and to uh-huh. get in touch with masculine and to increase testosterone, taking cold showers. Cold showers. Um, oh. Why is that? Uh, they, it has been shown to increase uh, testosterone also and energy. Uh, try it. I mean, I is that like a survival instinct? Now, I like... I don't like hot showers. I, I never have, uh, you know, cool to warm, you know, what, what it was like comfortable. So, but, but cold showers hurt. I mean, a really cold shower. You ever tried a completely cold shower? It hurts. Yeah. It's not fun. It's like the ice bath. There are insane benefits to cold showers, increasing endorphins. So they can, it actually can treat depression. It's, it's like, almost like electroshock therapy. So for, oh, for really? all the genders, cold showers, yes, increases metabolism. Yep. It causes weight loss. Well, I know it increases metabolism because otherwise you freeze to death. But yeah, so this, well, so this is actually a good thing. Take a cold shower every morning, right. and you do nothing uh-huh. else. Um, the research has shown over and over people will lose weight. Um, circulation decreases inflammation, helps fight off illnesses. Um, a great study in the Netherlands um, showed that. So anyway, I'm a huge fan in general. I try to make myself do it. Okay, I'll make mine cooler. But I'm not going to cold. I'll, I'll take my recovery more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one day we can all have goals um but like hot yoga you know the, if you do it every day and you decrease that temperature every day you're going to get to a point where you turn on that cold shower all the way cold and it doesn't bother you at all right you'll increase your tolerance okay so yeah. like the opposite of the boiling frog theory all right so let me try that let me start an experiment here <laughs> yeah. uh, so i'll, I'll, I'll report back to you next week it. i mean we can have a little we can have a little like group challenge because i need to do it more and uh all right well, I'll tell you what, Say from now we'll, we'll now until next put a big week. note uh, on your planner for next week, uh, the cold shower test. Let's see, mm-hmm. you know, did we, did we get our shower significantly colder? I'm going to put it down right here now. So that would be September. Oh, actually, that's October. Oh, my goodness. I, I missed the autumnal okay. equinox. I, I want to apologize to all the pagans out there. I'm sorry. I forgot to report that. Okay. I did, too. Yeah. In fact, I have a planner here. I didn't get my normal planner. I have to draw lines to the middle of the day. So let's go Monday, October 3rd, cold shower report. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll commit to do this week because I do like to wash my hair in warm water because it gets the oils out. But but I will will make a commitment to at the last 30 seconds of my shower (laughs) every day. I think that's enough time, right? So I, I don't well, I don't know. I saw a special that said like, if you suddenly change the temperature, it puts a huge strain on your heart. Well, what I'm going to do is decrease it. So I'll, I'll decrease it. What I'll do is I'll decrease okay. it the first day to, you know, maybe lower than tepid, a little lower than tepid, and the second day. And I'll do a slow decrease. I'm not going to suddenly mm-hmm. just slam the nozzle down. And then mm-hmm. by, the, by this time next week, I'm at 30 seconds in the, for at least 30 seconds in the coldest setting of my shower house. Mm-hmm. Now here's the question That's though: Why do they say that? Why do they recommend that guys, when they've been, uh, how can I put this, uh, not emotionally satisfied uh, on a date, take a cold shower? Oh yeah, yeah. To uh, seems counterintuitive if that, that increases heat. your testosterone, right? 
Well, to decrease the heat in your body, I guess, to kind of shock your system. Into... Well, let's go to the let's go to the next topic that um, the, the next uh, point that increases okay. testosterone and and gets it because that's very relevant. Withholding mm-hmm. uh, ejaculation, um, stopping the masturbation habit. So. Uh-huh. Until you, you go don't blind. Need to, you don't need to ejaculate. Stop, stop yeah. masturbating, including porn. Um, limit it to two or three times a month, whether you're with someone or not. And that's a big challenge because who wants to not, not orgasm in bed? But, I mean, look, if you study tantric sex and you start making this practice, you realize that sex is way better and more intense. Uh, the less you ejaculate, um, your pleasure can last forever and you can go again and again. Um, ejaculation tends to make men feel more depleted and tired. And, uh, and if you withhold your ejaculation and practice that, you're going to see some crazy benefits in your life, magnetizing people towards you, feeling incredibly masculine out in the daytime, um, lots more energy. Uh, it's worth investigating on your own because it is a huge topic. But, um, Which is interesting because on the contrary, that uh, you know, ejaculation guys like twenty-one some odd times a month for good prostate health. So now you've got mm-hmm. you've got you've got contradictory evidence. Um, is this mm-hmm. um, is this a spiritual martial arts thing? I mean, did the uh, uh, the, the, the 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 shamans and the druids and the uh, uh, the the was it the Kung Fu temple? I forgot. With the Shaolin temples, did they do the monks? You know, not only take a, a vow of silence and a vow of celibacy, a vow of uh, you know, withholding their essential bodily fluids, as they said in Strange Love. You know, wh- mm-hmm. where does this come from? Where does it go? It's kind of interesting. I'm trying know, to see a tantra, physical connection. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, the tantra practice has been doing it for for many, many right. years. This, this is, I think, okay. this is an age-old practice. So huh. my guess is that the medical community is saying ejaculate often for your prostate health. I'm going to put a big question mark there. Now I can't prove okay. that that's right or not right, but so far, well, the medical, exercise. The medical literature know, has it, been. Yeah. If you want a stronger heart, you do more exercise. If you want a stronger prostate, you know, you have more sex, uh, preferably with other people there. I mean, if you want, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so the idea of withholding of like, you know, stopping up the plumbing for a while um, mm-hmm. does intuitively to me, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Because wouldn't, wouldn't the fact that you could do it more or do do it more means that you, you could do it more. I'm going to phrase it that way. So in other words, if you're having lots of sex, your body becomes accustomed to having lots of sex. Why wouldn't you be able to have more sex and better sex in the same way that if you lift weights, you're going to be better at lifting weights. It's going to get easier mm-hmm. and you can lift more weight. So why is this counterintuitive that the withholding, that's like saying withholding exercise is going to make you stronger. Intuitively, that makes no sense to me. Holding sex well, this from is yourself, a, this holding is a ejaculation. This as well as a physical. Oh. So physically, the more your arousal, the more you delay your sexual discharge or ejaculation. So uh-huh. your arousal is heightened, and this orgasmic energy, which is the base of the spine and, and your, your root and sacral chakra, um, is mm. no longer in your genital. It's no longer in your genital area. So that energy begins to ascend through your whole body. So now every cell of your body is actually containing this amazing, intense energy. And I don't know how well. Oh, I kind of had that all the time anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's, it's, it's called raising anyway, so. tantric energy. 
so oh, they call it raising tantric energy and tantric sex. But you oh. actually can transform that organic, orgasmic energy into spiritual power. This is a different kind of topic than physical, but mm-hmm. I, I can attest to this. This is real. I have friends who have practiced this personally. This science goes back, I'm going to call it spiritual science, um, many, many, many years, hundreds and hundreds of years. And uh, eventually that orgasmic energy ascends into the brain, and there's like this alpha alchemization um, and your consciousness is actually transformed. Um, Mm. I, you know, I I guess all I can say is if you haven't tried it, it might be worth, might be worth it. Um, Even if you're just withholding uh, masturbation and you're just waiting to be with your partner, um, your experience with your partner is going to be better. Storing Mm -hmm. up for, for a better occasion later. I mean, guys that uh, do it themselves before, you know, if they have like a date that day or night or whatever, that seems kind of stupid. Um, I mean, if uh, you have premature ejaculation, you feel like you cannot last long enough to please your woman, maybe uh, a masturbation prior to your, maybe that is a good prescription for certain men, you know, and again, (laughs) premature ejaculation. Yeah, well, guess, premature ejaculation, yeah. again, is a, is a term I don't really love anyway. Um, oh, we've talked there about are many it. ways to, yeah. I mean, there are many ways to stop your ejaculation. You can practice, there's a um, squeezing action you can do. It's a technique. Um, it's almost like squeezing out the last drop of urine, but, but like a little bit different. And it's Whoa. like a sustained clench. A sustained clench you can practice that actually will stop your ejaculation, and then the urge passes, um, and your erection will soften a little, and then you begin your action, your 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 in, um, sexual activity again. There are ways. This premature ejaculation, I'm not. I feel like there are non-pharmaceutical ways and to. Well, that's just an um, anti-male term. Work around how you, that. How does your body yeah. do something before it's ready? It doesn't. It does something when it's ready. So the idea that it's premature mm-hmm. doesn't. That, that's just insulting. Um, but the question is, you know, if you save but up for, you know, if you're, if you're saving up your, you know, your, your, your sperm for the big night or whatever, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. This is an interesting idea. I mean, do women do better with sex if they save up for uh, the hot date? I mean, I don't know. Or the partner. It's not something I've looked into a lot, but yeah. I do know anecdotally women say if they don't masturbate that their sex is more enjoyable when they have it. So this is what I've mm. heard anecdotally, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That they're more likely to orgasm from oral sex, from less oral sex that lasts not quite as long. <laughs> That's cetera, a whole other topic. I, I sort of said I know mm-hmm. I need to talk about this, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> so I just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that go into how long it takes a woman to orgasm. A lot of it for her is emotional, right? There's a huge emotional and safety component, but there's a physical component too. And if you're using a strong vibrator regularly, I'm not saying vibrators decrease sensation over time, but your body begins to get used to, you know, a certain kind of stimulation and a certain kind of ease. And so let's say you're moving, I hope I can say this on the air. So let's say you're moving from vibrator to tongue, you know, the yeah, tongue will never it. be able to go. No matter yeah. how skilled a tongue is, it's different. So I am an advocate for, if you're in a partnership, allowing your partner, for the most part, to be your pleasure source. His, his fingers, his or her fingers, tongue, um, But toes, you can talk about that. Playing you know, you can, mm-hmm. you can talk about that and, you know, here, here, do this. Let me take your hand, do this. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, this is like all these things. Or but watch my hand. Watch my hand and imitate it. I mean, what a great turn on, right? 
There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was interesting when you're talking about uh, uh, like delaying orgasm in men that uh, it was it, most of the things you're saying were physical. And I'm wondering about the mental aspects of, of why don't you, you know, take a shower together, take a bath together, you know, go walk naked mm-hmm. in the woods at midnight. You know, there's all so these lovely. things you can do that are, that are sexually stimulating. I think the problem is that the problem with, uh, you know, sex is that sex, sex is start too early in your, in, your, in your whatever daily afternoon, breakfast, morning, night, whatever, whenever your activity begins – if, the, if you're going right to the sex, you know, it's, it's like starting your dinner with, with the, you know, dessert. And you've got a right to dessert. And now, now, you can't, yeah. now you can't go back and have the appetizers. It's too late. You know, so, you, yeah, so in other your words, life you, you can did, be foreplay. Yeah, you've, right? did, you've make, delayed make your food Make your whole gasm. life foreplay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's so a, if you're that's seriously That's a great playing, topic, too. Yeah, how do you do yeah. that? If you're flirting, I mean, flirting to me is foreplay. It's just, you know, not as intense. It's just kind of fun. But humor. Yeah. People, I mean, you bring humor into your sex life, people. Humor, people think they can't talk. You know, this is something that we should talk about, too, that people don't talk during sex. I don't understand that. But that's just, you know, like I said, try not to reveal, reveal too many personal things as we talk about topics here. Um, but that's, that's a, um, that I think, putting many of the, the non-physical, if you want to do the physical limitations, that's one thing. I think physical limitations are restraining, whereas mental uh, restrictions are, are, are uh, liberating. So in other words, if you yeah. mentally, you know, take your body and say, okay, I'm not going to do this until this, and let's, let's play, let's do other things and come up with a bunch of stuff, that's positive. You know, but physically limiting an orgasm with men is, is negative. And so I'm always looking for the positive. And so maybe we're looking at this the wrong way for guys. Maybe if we talk more about talking and humor and flirting mm-hmm. and, you know, sitting in the bathtub with a glass of wine and some candles and, you know, reading really intense poetry, leading, reading Lady Chowdhury's Lover, you know, or, or, some, or some really erotic literature. You know, you could be really aroused. I'm thinking right now this would be kind of cool. Um, well, I, this great, I, I feel I this, like seeing... You know, Okay. I feel like seeing delaying orgasm and, and withholding ejaculation as negative as part of a cultural thing. So I think, I think once okay. you start practicing these techniques where you realize mm-hmm. that you are no longer losing your vital life force energy through ejaculation and you start, mm. if you're still practicing that and seeing the benefits, I, and also like it's like the cold shower, you become less, it becomes less unpleasant. It becomes kind of more pleasant because you realize that the sexual activity, like you're talking about, can go forever. So not just mm-hmm. the foreplay before the sex, but the sex itself, the physicality can be endless. I, I think there are benefits and, and it becomes less of a negative to, to mm. practice that. But again, it's, it's not something we talk about a lot. It's not something in this culture that is very common. Well, those are exactly the things I want to talk about here. That's the whole point Yeah, <laughs> is, is to investigate things that you and I have never thought of, never talked about. Society totally gets around. It's just that's, I think that makes it a lot more interesting. You know, so yeah. we can talk about these things. This is why, you know, uh, that it, I think this particular report, it requires, you know, a man and a woman to do it properly. Uh, you couldn't do this with just guys or just women. It wouldn't be the same report. I'm not saying we, I wouldn't have a report like that, but it wouldn't be, you know, the interaction that you and I have um, from our male and female energy, bringing that to this report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Well, Besides, I, like I want to touch on, <laughs> I love talking I about I touch yeah. on one more, one more thing that I feel like, uh-huh. and I think you're going to agree with this. Okay. If you're, if, if a man is really trying to get back in touch with his masculine energy and really honor himself and, and, sort of move forward in a life that maybe not other men are doing that makes him the uncommon man. 
um, in this day and age, unplugging, unplugging from media, unplugging from the phones, mm. getting okay. away from the mainstream ideologies. So I think you agree the mainstream thought process, the mainstream, uh, the, the propaganda, the messaging, the damaging messaging, even not well, just porn, but, you, you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't see the message, if you don't see the propaganda, I, I analyze the propaganda. In fact, we did that with the, the lawsuit that um, George Soros's, you know, little minions are bringing against DeSantis for flying some illegal aliens up to, uh, you know, the sanctuary city where they weren't allowed to be. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, we talked about that. Yeah, was, so was, you are not mainstream ideology. You're you're someone who's promoting a different way of thinking. And even if people don't agree with you, it's a it's it's at least a a little push, a little um, poke poke. Like here's some different ideas. So uh, instead oh, of like celebrity poke TV poke or ideas. or mainstream really movies, instead yeah. looking at alternative blogs, looking at alternative podcasts, looking at mm-hmm. um, radio shows that they would like to censor, and listening to those getting out of the gradual hypnosis that, that everyone's going through and getting out of the sheep-like mentality um, mm-hmm. and coming into your own, ignoring the, the castrating uh, messaging for men these days and the shaming for men, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's hard to do because guys have to recognize that it's shaming. Guys have to recognize um, that, uh, that this is being done and they have to be, I think, it's, you know, maybe even more defiant than I am and just notice everywhere because it's so pervasive in society. But I thought of something interesting, too, just in, in our last little bit here. Um, this, is, this might be a, a Greg thing or a guy thing. I'm not sure. But if, uh, if I've had some great adventure, you know, taken a great airplane flight or had a great sailboat race or had a, an amazing, you know, marching band thing back in college, um, it's, it's pretty interesting that from there to get to, you know, if, if, a, if a lovemaking event is in, in process, it's better simply because the day has been fabulous. And this is something I don't think people have related. You know, if you want to have great sex, you know, go, go for a sailboat race. <laughs> you know, is that, I don't know if that's a guy thing or, or, or a woman thing too. So interesting. But I, I think that we don't, that this is something that if women want, you know, better sex lives out of their guys, you know, go do something with them. Go drive a dune buggy really fast. You're going to have great sex. <laughs> You know, and it's just, and, and, and see, I'm trying to reveal too much personally about me, but um, I agree with you. Activities relate, that cause adrenaline yeah. surge that are challenging, yep. that are, mm-hmm. yes, I, I have to yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that work for women too? Not for me. For me, an activity that we do together that we have to problem solve, maybe there's physicality involved, but if we do it together and we achieve something. We have to work together. We have to depend on each other. For me, that makes me feel very close. And it can be a little bit of adrenaline, but I get scared. I'll be honest. I don't really like risking my life or feeling like I am. That doesn't turn me on. It doesn't, I, I don't know. Maybe if there was something slightly dangerous and he sort of saved me from it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't like the Well, that's interesting. Would you, uh, would you <laughs> like if, if your guy said, let's go zip lining? You know, and he came back from zip. I would do it if I knew. If if I saw that prior to the event, he researched the location, the establishment, he checked out Mm -hmm. the safety, he sort of interviewed the zip lining instructor. Like I saw that he was making sure I was really safe and that he was there for me. He was encouraging me. Mm -hmm. Then, yes, I think it would be a big turn on and I'd feel really close with him. 
if okay. for me, if, if he was just right. like, let's go ziplining. Oh, yeah, it'll be fun. Come on. Come on. Do it. Oh, come on. Do it with me. Oh, come on. You're not adventurous enough. I mean, this would be this, the opposite. I would feel my clitoris shriveling up and falling off. Like I That's feel. really interesting. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's quite fascinating. Or, or cared for. That's from me. Yeah. And I, but I'm a, I have a lot of feminine energy in relationship, and so I, I have a lot of probably needs that are, are like that, you know? Okay. So yeah. what if the guy said, uh, I, I've checked the place out. You know, I've talked to the instructor, you know, the good people, you know, they certify their, their cables every three months. You know, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and by the end, you know, at, at the end of the zipline, I might, you know, really want you, you know, uh, I think there's a way to do to have a turn on for both. So you'd feel safe and he'd feel, you know, uh, uh, adrenaline. <laughs> That's a verb. I don't, just a thought. Well, I don't really I don't really want to hear that my man say, I want to go ziplining. I've checked it out for safety at the end. I'm going to want you. That feels like now I'm kind of being told, okay, we're going zip lining and then I'm, and then we're going to have sex after. Like it almost feels like two things for him. Yeah. That that doesn't really feel to me like very, um, I, I think it needs to happen. What if you knew ahead of time, sort of. what if you knew ahead of time that the, that, that your guy, you know, that's, that's, uh, all of a sudden that's a turn on for him. You wouldn't have to, this, this, I think this has to work better in a partnership. You couldn't do this on the first date. Say, so, by the way, let's go zip lining. And, oh, you know, <laughs> cause you couldn't, you couldn't suggest that that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. Well, it is very case. smart this, though. Very strategic. You know. uh, they say very, yeah. they say it's very strategic that if you want someone to become more attracted to you, that you do, um, one of those activities that causes the adrenaline because it creates a psychological high feeling that mimics, I guess, mimics, um, endorphins, mimics. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, chemicals of excitement. So they say that that's very strategic. So if you want someone to be attracted to you um, and not quite know why, just kind of give it a little boost that you do something like that together. <laughs> hmm. yeah. I'm just curious, you know, like I say, I, I, I try not to be too personal and, you know, but I'm thinking of, of just things that, uh, you know, I think the things that make you happy also make you, you know, more sexual and more enjoying and, and more of, of the process necessarily, as opposed to the accomplishment, the goal and the ending. And so that, uh, I agree. You no, know, totally. As, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I agree that you do activities together that are fun and exciting and, uh, teamwork. And that translates to the bedroom. That definitely makes a better relationship. That's been proven. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. This is fascinating. <laughs> So, so, right. so if you could just list the five points again of improving masculine testosterone and energy, so just so that folks have a, uh, a one place they can go. And then, of course, especially well, if you listen to the whole podcast, but uh, what it would just, if you want to summarize the things that you covered, that'd be fascinating. Or really, well, there, really valuable. There, I'm sorry. Yeah, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. Well, there, there, there are too. many things. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are many things, but. Um, but in general, so increasing what's increasing testosterone is what I'm talking about. And, and then if we mm-hmm. go into spirituality, so lifting weight, cold showers, delaying, delaying um, orgasms. Um, now I just lost my brain. I, I get I get distracted here. Um, mm-hmm. What did we talk about? Oh my goodness. Delaying orgasms, martial arts, cold showers, arts lifting weights, and red meat, red, red meat. meat. Yeah. Martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my goodness! And we had you a know what else rushes it. at the end. 
<laughs> I know, and I'm I'm completely off topic now. So these were all in my brain, and now they're gone. Oh, that's but okay. that's okay. No, I'll post it on the I'll post it on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is fun. Well, and, and actually, <laughs> part of the fun of this is is like if anybody wants to know why we're always interrupting each other, why we're jumping all over these, these topics, watch a good romantic comedy. Watch like a a uh, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy. <laughs> you know, go watch some of the old ones like Adam's Rib or something like that. The the way we talk is really funny. It's it's like a romantic comedy in many ways. It's really funny. Uh, we just, we, we, we jump topics, we, we step on each other, you know, we just constant, but it works. It's sort of like, um, I don't know, this is like, uh, I don't know. It's like dancing with the stars where you're not really a good competitor, but you're trying anyway. <laughs> I love funny. it. I love it. Yeah. I think, I, I feel like the last one was the unplugging. I think we, we covered them. There were six. The last one was the, the unplugging, unplugging from mainstream media, right? Right. Wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So red, red meat, we're increasing mm-hmm. red meat. And also I don't want to, I don't like to make those generalizations. I think everyone should research and experiment with a diet that works best for them. But red meat okay. tends to increase the testosterone. So I don't want to tell everyone yeah. to go out and eat red meat. But definitely working okay. out, um, I believe, uh, cold showers with withholding ejaculation and learning how to control your ejaculation and spiritually manifest, alchemize that sexual energy into spiritual energy and um, getting off the mainstream, obviously, because that, there's no good messaging there. And thinking for yourself, commanding respect from others. And we do that by martial arts and discipline and having a body that looks respectful, respectable. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Let's do it again next week. Well, let's do it. And yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be throughout the week always kind of listening to others, having conversations and deciding what, what source energy God wants me to talk about on that day regarding sensuality and sexuality. And uh, I, I, a really great topic I thought you might be interested in is the step of intimacy so all this research has shown there's these certain steps that you can go through as a couple that increase your likelihood of staying together for long term, decrease hmm. statistics of divorce. And it's really interesting. It's actual steps that you go um, one by one um, in the order of increasing the intimacy, physical and emotional intimacy. There's like this sort of protocol, which I think is very interesting, um, of the way you approach physical closeness. So that I think that is a very interesting topic, and also um, also sensuality in the bedroom. You know, how do you bring it? How do you increase uh, your sensual environment to increase pleasure in the bedroom? That's fun too. These are all great topics, and of course, the first thing you do is, is you then go to the kitchen and the the backyard, and you know, and go camping yeah. in the woods, and you know. So there's if the, you, you don't know, have yeah, a bunch yeah. of children running around. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always these complications. Um, there's something. <laughs> Um, what was I just going to tell you? And uh, now I've forgotten it. Um, but uh, oh yeah, the the, the controlling, you know, say you know, control your your orgasms, guys. I mean that. I'm just I'm wondering. You know, it seems like a, such an automatic pilot thing. I mean, how much how much is actually controlled? And is that necessarily a good thing? But somebody else I was going to mention. I forgot what it was. I'll probably think of it in terms. Well, the, first of all, those are great topics, and uh, you are free to bring up. Uh, you know, anything here as we go through these things. And it, it is, it is quite fascinating um, to get these, these differences. Do you, any comments from what people are saying? I don't want names or anything, but I'm just, I'm just curious what uh, any results from the, 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 the chats that we're having here. Yeah. I, so I have friends that listen and uh, they'll make little comments here and there, but nothing stands out from th- this week particularly. Um, oh, okay. Well, come on friends. What yeah. we need you here? In fact, we should bring I someone mean, on the show. We can a, bring them on anonymously. Well, such and we a, can, because of what I teach, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, 
I mean, topics of sensuality and sexuality and, and feminine energy come up for me constantly during the week. Um, wow. So unless something is really, really a, a specific, special, uh, something that happens, it's really just I'm just in flow, you know. So yeah, always ask sense. me if there's a topic you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. Or I actually, I generally bring them up spontaneously. I can do pretty much everything else on the show. Um, and for folks that, that want to... Uh, you know, learn more about uh, all these wonderful topics. We do have the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page. That's a public page uh, where you can go, but, you know, you have to join it before you can comment and do that other stuff. We're kind of protective of our folks here, uh, including Action Radio. Um, anything else mm-hmm. you want to give? Any any public place or, or uh, information group or anything like that? Yeah, my website is yoniyun.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N.com, and my Facebook is Dorothy Diana. I look at your website. I, I don't po- think I did that yet. I, mean, I got to make sure I get that posted on my little notes here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm, I, I, I add things a lot and then I unpublish it for a day or two. So if it's unpublished, just try again. So if I'm, sometimes I <laughs> change, change pages. I change page. Well, I change pages around and I like to take it off while I'm changing okay. things or adding pictures. It's a very so. flexible website. A little here, a little there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I, so I play, do a lot uh, of things. So. Yeah. Oh, listen, uh, this is why I took a break between mm-hmm. our two reports because, you know, the, the, the previous two hours and, and our chat are so completely different. You want to talk about switching masculine and feminine energy. Um, listen to the beginning of, of our hour and listen to the end of the previous hour with, with Jonathan and Pianchi. Total, oh, okay. totally different conversations. And so this <laughs> is why I find, you know, flipping masculine and feminine so uh, quick because I see both in me. I mean, I really do the communication, you know, the, 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 the emotional reading. I mean, I tend to read people really well now and, and know, you know, all kinds of things that I, I couldn't see before. That's, that, that seems more the feminine side. Uh, I am much more, uh, I don't say aggressive necessarily, but determined, you know, like action radio. There's no doubt in my mind this is going to be the most amazingly, fabulously successful political movement, you know, since, I don't know, the founding. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, this is going to be great. We're going to change everything. This is going to be really cool. Uh, and that's definitely a masculine side. But which doesn't say mm, that women yeah. can't be masculine starting corporations and guys can't, uh, you know, uh, research poetry and, and get the nth degree of meaning and, uh, you know, figure out how that works in, in their lives and other people's lives. You know, so there's this I see this as, like you do. It's much more fluid spirituality. Uh, and then we can talk about all the different genders as a way to, as a way to destroy who we are. It takes away our identity. And once you lose your identity, then it's easy to be controlled. And all these things are worth talking about. But wow. that being yeah. said, playing, mm-hmm. playing in the energy you don't identify with. Mm-hmm. So for me, playing in masculine energy is fun. And, um, and in our movement practice that I teach, we will intentionally do that sometimes so that we can hmm. see the difference, so we can okay. see how it feels, so we can honor the other. If I play in my masculine energy, I then realize the benefits of me being able to be softening into my feminine in my regular life. And I also can honor and respect what my man brings to the table because he's naturally very masculine. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm glad I don't have to do all that. And thank God he does <laughs> because it's not my comfort zone. It's not my comfort zone. Yeah. It's not where I find pleasure and joy. And my man finds pleasure and joy in the typically masculine activities. I, I don't know. I think it's fun. I know that we're talking about two genders and that, that we have this breakdown of society when the, when the political aspect of our society tries to take over and tell us how to be in our gender and our sexuality. I don't like that, but I do think there's a benefit to playing in the different energies so we can appreciate each other. Right. So that can mm-hmm. be fun. You well, I think we do that shirt, here. We, we, we both go back and forth and play with all, all kinds of energy here just in our talks. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's really quite fascinating to see how they go back and forth. Yeah. And in the same way that, um, you know, I'm, it's like the difference. I talk about control freaks versus, uh, um, versus thrill seekers. Okay. I have no desire to jump out of an airplane with a parachute. That's a thrill seeker, but I'll fly the airplane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, I'll fly the looping airplane because I'm a control freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mm-hmm. think in a bad way, but to me, well, my security energy, is it a protective energy or is it a control because you're afraid of other people doing it? You know what I'm saying? Cause, cause the very masculine, the very masculine uh, trait is the protector, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think I'm extremely protective. Anybody associated with the show knows that. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I think it's pretty obvious in a, in a lot of different ways. Not not that the audience would know, but uh, you know, the folks that, that that have been around, you know, action radio for any length of time. I'm extremely loyal, extremely protective of the folks that are and here. And if your goal are, in, in wanting yeah. to fly that airplane is to provide and protect, then I think it's a beautiful thing. It may not be necessarily a, a problem like control. Like a control issue usually sounds like a negative thing, you know. Uh, Maybe but it's a that I want to be the one flying the airplane. I want to be the one doing mm-hmm. the loops and the rolls and things like that. Um, so that mm-hmm. see, I grew up not trusting adults as a, as a kid, you know. So I would much rather. Yeah. I wanted to be the one driving. I wanted to be when it came to flying. I wanted to be the one doing it, even though I had instructors. I still felt mm-hmm. better when I was doing it, knowing that I knew knew less than they did, but I trusted myself more. So that's a that's a that's a control issue that goes way back in my life. Uh, that's that might be worth. Uh, you know, exploring sometime too. But the idea of, you know, I can't watch a parade. I have to be in it. You know, I can't, uh, I can't sit and listen to a concert. I have to be on stage. You know, I'm, I like to be in controlling in, in terms of, I like to, I should say doing instead. So I want to be the one flying the airplane, you know, uh, riding the motorcycle, sailing the boat. You know, I need to be that person. Uh, and so that's different. But am I doing it? Am I, you know, flying airplanes to be protective? No, I'm doing it because it's one of the most fun things I can think of. Um, you know, guns, airplanes, and guitars. <laughs> the, the, you know, and they're all loud, which is kind of interesting too. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I fly an airplane because it is the ultimate freedom. There are things you can do in an airplane that you can't do anywhere else. You know, you get that third dimension. You know, especially the the, the one that I want is fully aerobatic. Uh, it's very fast. It's it's uh, like a 500 mile an hour airplane. It, it climbs, you know, three times faster than an airliner. So when you point this thing up, it goes up. And uh, I'm going to yank the hell out of it all over the sky. Why? You know, am I going to be intrinsically improving humanity? No, I'm not doing it for humanity. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've always wanted to. And I want to prove I can do it. So there's an accomplishment side that goes to control, too. We should talk about that. Well, the really strong side of masculinity we have an approach is, is accomplishment and, and how that plays mm-hmm. into our psyche yeah, we as well. Have, I, I, can, yeah. I can post on the thing. There's some typical um, traits of the, of the masculine that, that – yeah, accomplishment, protection, discipline, maturity, responsibility, confidence. There's quite a few. I am being called by my um, my soon-to-be divine masculine boys that will be adults soon. They're telling me I'm going over, and it is time to do the next thing, and they're correct. Well, it is. Yeah, well, so, I just, uh, we just kept talking. You know, we, we can stop. They're being time, assertive and responsible, very masculine qualities, them. and I'm going to let them I'm gonna let them lead on that one. Hi, boys. And Oops, yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah, they are wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. so proud of them. But um, so I next will week. until next week and hopefully we'll yeah. chat a little bit in between. And if anything comes up for you, throw it my way. I will. Absolutely. Yeah. You know me, I'm, I'm either blessed or cursed. And it's kind of both sometimes it seems with endless ideas. They just don't stop. I need a break from my ideas. All right, darling. We'll talk soon. And um, all right. Have a great yeah. week. Thank you. you have a great week yeah. Too. Thank you for your time. Oh, 
my pleasure. Love this it. is why I started this, this whole crazy <laughs> endeavor so that I could talk to folks like you. This is how it works. All right. It's wonderful. Uh, Diana, I get so much and, from it. Uh, oh, good. Me too. Oh. That's how we do it. Okay. Watch a romantic comedy. I'm telling you, the way we talk, it's hysterical. I'm going to watch it's, V it's, for Vendetta because you recommended it, and it sounds like a great movie, and I think – I think it might be a movie I can convince uh, my man to watch because it doesn't sound super, you know, rom-com feminine. I think he might be interested in it. So I'm looking oh, forward to that. I'm, well, V from Vendetta. It's, it's my favorite kind of film. It's about, you know, the underdog succeeds against the tyrannical government. You know, so I, I tend to watch trial films. I, I tend to like uh, adventure stuff like that. Uh, it's interesting that Hollywood, you know, loves to put out films of, of the individual against the big government, uh, whereas they, in reality, they support the big government over the individual. So they're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, and they're making money at it, too. That's something interesting also. Mm-hmm. Be for Vendetta. When you watch it, let me know. Okay. We'll talk. All, right, All right. That's on my to-do list. All right. Have a great Bye, week. We'll talk soon. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. All right. See you later. <laughs> oh, my God. This is what I love having her on. I mean, you can tell it's pretty obvious. All right. Let me play you uh, uh, Federalist Papers, uh, Anti-Federalist Number 13. It runs a little bit. Uh, uh, it's fairly long, but that's okay. Uh, it's really good. And I'll have more, more uh, of the – I think Federalist 14 is the next one up. And I should have that up pretty soon. Back uh, actually after that I'll be done. So uh, Greg Pringles Action Radio, blogtalkradio.com slash sit action, and our website uh, for our bills is writeyourlaws.com. W R I T E Y O U R L A W S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is Greg Pringles for Action Radio with Founding Moments, insights into our founding documents, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers here in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Santa Rosa Volunteers is available at their website, srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Anti-Federalist paper number 13 was written by our old anonymous friend under the name A. Farmer. The paper is titled, The Expense of the New Government referring to the Constitution being considered for ratification on this date, October 17, 1787. In the first paragraph, A. Farmer complains about overpaid government bureaucrats, even from the Articles of Confederation. Regarding that, he says, The truth is, when you carry a man's salary beyond what decency requires, he immediately becomes a man of consequence and does little or no business at all. That pretty much explains our multi-trillion dollar bureaucrat welfare establishment workforce. They knew it even before our Constitution was ratified. The second paragraph starts with a call to action. It implores all to make sure that if the Constitution is ratified by the states, it must include a Bill of Rights. Sadly, it did not until many years later. But A. Farmer and the Anti-Federalists knew that without one, the Constitution was for the government and not for the people. He says, Rouse up, my friends. A matter of infinite importance is before you on the carpet, soon to be decided in your convention. The new Constitution. Seize the happy moment. Secure to yourselves and your posterity the jewel liberty which has cost you so much blood and treasure by a well-regulated bill of rights from the encroachments of men in power. For if Congress will do these things in the dry tree when their power is small, what won't they do when they have all the resources of the United States at their command? 
Well, we all know what they would do. They would create a coup to steal the government and rule by the tyranny of mandates, none of which are legal, and all of which constitute the very insurrection they blame on the true government and those who support it. A. Farmer continues by describing the proper place of bureaucrats in relationship to the people in terms of what this paper is all about, that being the expense of government, in this case, people who work in it. He says, They are the servants of the public. You have an undoubted right to set their wages, or at least to say, thus far, you and those under you may go and no further. This would, in the end, ease Congress of a great deal of trouble, as it would put a stop to the impertinence of individuals in asking large salaries. You can usually tell the evil or folly of a government program or law by how quickly the supporters want it passed, implemented, or in the case of the Constitution, ratified. The Federalists are always in such a hurry, spending much time on the urgency of ratifying the Constitution before the states all break into factions or various nations of Europe declare war on us. Both were fiction, but they served a purpose, much as the propagandized creation of the fear of COVID, which is as always to increase government power and control. A. Farmer says of this artificial urgency, my friends and countrymen, let us pause for a moment and consider. We are not driven to such great straits as to be obliged to swallow down every potion offered us by wholesale or else die immediately by our disease. We can form a constitution at our leisure and guard and secure it on all sides. We are paying off our state debt and the interest on the domestic as fast as Congress call upon us for it. As to the foreign debt, they have the promise of more interest from us than they can get anywhere else, and we, should, we shall be able to pay them both interest in principle shortly. But it is said they win, declare war against us if we don't pay them immediately. Common sense will teach them better. We live at too great a distance and are too hardy and robust a people for them to, to make money out of us in that way. A. Farmer then describes various economic classes, from merchants to soldiers to government folks who want public debt and paper money abolished, but whatever the economic consequences or benefits, there still remains the fundamental problem that the Constitution by itself fails to guard our liberty by prohibiting government from enacting certain laws, regulations, policies, or practices. A farmer says, But in neither of these cases do I wish to see it adopted without being guarded on all sides with a Magna Carta or a Bill of Rights as a bulwark to our liberties. So the economic consequences of funding the government, its officers, the national debt and interest are subordinate to the essential component of a bulwark to our liberties. And of that the Federalists have not spoken to this point. A. Farmer continues, he says, regarding the Constitution, But we need not be in a hurry about it. Consider, my friends, you are the persons who must live and die by this Constitution. A merchant or mechanic may dispose of his goods 
or pack them up in trunks and remove it to another climb in the course of a few, of a few months. But you cannot shoulder your lands or dispose of them when you please. It, is there, it therefore behooves you to rouse up and turn your most serious and critical attention to this constitution. So ends part one. In part two, a farmer issues a warning to his fellow citizens, which is also a precursor to the tyranny of the deep state and their stolen government has imposed on this country by a coup d'etat. A farmer says, A large representation has ever been esteemed by the best Whigs in Great Britain, the best barrier against bribery and corruption. And yet we find a British king having the disposition of all places, civil and military, and an immense revenue squeezed out of the very mouths of his wretched subjects, he is able to corrupt the parliament, to vote him any supplies he demands, to support armies, to defend the prerogatives of his crown, and carry fire and sword by his fleets and armies, to desolate whole provinces in the eastern world, to aggrandize himself and satisfy the avarice of his tyrannical subjects. Replace King with Brandon, and our plight will be accurately reflected in the history books. The next paragraph is so good, I just have to read it. A Farmer says, No wonder our American ambassador, John Adams, struck with the brilliancy of the British court, where everything around St. James wears the appearance of wealth, ease, and plenty, should imagine a three-branch legislature only can produce these effects and make the subjects happy, should write a book in favor of such a government and send it over for the illumination of this Western world. If this is the sole fruit of his embassy, America will not canonize him for a saint on account of his services. When they have experienced the consequences of such a kind of government as he has planned out, in order to have formed the right judgment, he should have looked into the ditches which serve for graves for many of the human race, under hedges which serve as dreary habitations for the living, into the cottages of the poor and miserable, and critically examine with how much parsimony the mechanics, the day laborers, cottagers, and villagers live in order to support their high pampered lords, before he had wrote a book to persuade his country to pursue the same road to greatness, splendor, and glory, and have reflected in his own mind whether he could wish to see that country which gave him birth reduced to the same situation. And here we are today. In conclusion, A. Farmer submits the question of whether it makes sense to rush into ratifying this Constitution before all the details have been spelled out. I agree, which is why Action Radio is sponsoring a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Just one of many proposed overhauls planned to make the Constitution live up to its promise of limited government and no public debt. A Farmer says, Now I submit it to the good sense of the people of these states, whether it is prudent we should make so liberal and extensive a grant of power and property to any body of men in these United States before they have ever informed the public the amount of the public debt or what the annual expenses 
of the federal government is or will be. The source for the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers is federalistpapers.org. The Articles of Confederation are from usconstitution.net. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. Their website is srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Please share this report to anyone who needs it. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 